0: This was a lot. Uh, this was something you watch once. And that was a great you, that it, what you, what you experienced was fantastic filmmaking. And then I watch it again, you watch it, I watch it, whoever watches it, watching it for the second time. And I'm every single scene every single exchange of dialogue I'm screaming on the inside there's a paragraph inside of me that just wants to implode (laughs) and I don't it and we'll get into it
1: but yeah (laughs) will we ever
0: (laughs) so um the initial reaction, of course, is to uh, 2022's uh, Mariama Diallo's uh, f- uh, feature film debut, Master, which she both wrote and directed, and worked with a fabulous team of people who made this film come to life. It's it's pretty much one of the films, eh, besides X, at the at this moment in time um, on <laughs> in March of 2022. Uh, this movie i feel like it's still not being talked about enough in my humble opinion um and i'm trying to be as diplomatic about that as possible um but yeah i think this movie should have a more be there should be more conversations being had about it right now and i guess i'm just not seeing
1: that in my social media circles i don't know about you I agree. I've seen like a few people saying that they really love this movie, but then when you go to IMDB and you see that score, um, I would say do not pay attention to that score. Also, I was reading a few um, like viewer um, reviews of the film, and it infuriated me. and I'm like, "This movie's not for you. This movie is not for you." Um, there's like some one star and three stars and saying uh, weird and um, oh so, critical race t- theory on steroids. It's like a come down, come down, because <laughs> you know what? This movie is not for you. Um, yeah, it just enraged me because I'm like, this is not for you. I don't need your stupid opinion. And quite a, mm-hmm. frankly, there's a lot of opinions out there. I don't want to hear about this movie. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but in an ironic turn, this movie is for them. And I think this negative reaction, perhaps, is them grappling with or not wanting to grapple with seeing a reflection in themselves in this film, perhaps. This is very true. And not wanting to really tackle the true hard uh, nature of the themes that this movie is trying to give us. And it does this in this very in this almost perfect subtle way but in a way that screams volumes it's it's really hard for me to articulate at the moment because I've had conversations about this ever since I saw it I just I just you know I did the digital screener for Sundance I paid the 20 bucks because I really wanted to see it of course you know how often do black women get to write and direct uh feature horror films this is this is still a new thing mm-hmm. and so and I wanted to support I wanted to support it um, this and nanny kind of out the gate. And so, but watching Master, I was just, I was blown away because it's, it's doing that thing that's quote unquote hot right now, which is grapple with um, our ideas of race, not really race, but racism, white supremacy, racial micro microaggressions, racist microaggressions, it's doing all of that, but it's doing it in a way that's just... It hasn't been done like this before in a way that just feels so on point without, without, you know, banging you over the head with a sledgehammer. Right. Um, that's what I that's how I feel. And if I sound kind of Daria-esque at the moment, it's because I, I've had it's probably going to come out of me as we kind of talk, because this is the kind of movie where I need to go beat by beat. And I want you, Carolyn, to come in and bring whatever notes you have. I want i want our notes to kind of entangle and ride the waves together. Because I think we may have a lot of differing ideas, but we also
1: have maybe have a lot of similar ones. I don't know. I hope oh, so. Oh, yeah. No, I, um, yeah. I think when we were just kind of talking about doing this episode, um, yeah we there's a lot of notes and i've i've got quite a few notes (laughs) myself now i told you
0: i sent you a text in the middle of me watching it for the second time i'm like we have to we i have to this is my pick because it was my turn for a pick but no clear we had plans for another film that's gonna just have to go on the back burner this i we i was like we need to do this and i was hoping you had access to it because i know you're in a different country so i don't know how streaming works
1: Mm-hmm. and it's funny i think we were watching at the same time unbeknownst to each other that's yeah. crazy <laughs> yes. that's crazy i was like yeah we're watching it now <laughs> so yeah i think i don't know it's it was uh serendipitous i guess <laughs> that we were to we would have done it anyway at some point but
0: yeah oh yes yeah um So before, before we get started, I'm kind of belaboring this because this is going to be quite, this is going to be exhausting, but also in in a kiki and an exhale all in, all in this, all all in one. Um, So I just need a, I just need a minute to introduce you when we talk about Gail, you know, we talk about Regina Hall, we're going to be talking about, um, she's playing a character named Gail Bishop, um, Zoe Renee, who was in another movie that was an indie hit um, that was, Give me a minute. I'm going to find it. That movie was called Jin. She was in that movie. Um, it was a coming-of-age film back in 2018. Um, so a lot of people may recognize her from Jin, But she plays um, Jasmine Moore in this. Her name is Zoe Renee. And she's those are our two black female leads. But we also have um, some cursory characters like uh, Amber Gray, who is mixed-raced. Mm. <laughs> let's get, let's get yes. that out there <laughs> before we go <laughs> in on... Um, uh, Amber Gray, who plays, uh, Miss, uh, Liv Beckman. Uh, we have other people, um, uh, on the faculty on, cause, cause, you know, okay. So master is basically about the experiences of, um, a young black, uh, female college freshman and a black woman who's established tenured professor who becomes master of her house or a dorm or something like that. Um, this is a newly appointed position and how their experiences on completely different levels, obviously, but how they um how they're paralleled in this uh in this one semester. But also how they're very similar. And also um what Diallo does really fan- in a fantastic way is she she brings us the, the supernatural in to give it that horror feel. Uh, oh god it's just so brilliant she's just she's finally on twitter too folks like she for a long time she wasn't on twitter i don't blame her (laughs) and yeah yeah right and that's the and i think that's the smart speaking to certain other filmmakers i won't name names but um other you know up-and-coming burgeoning filmmakers and screenwriters some of them choose not to be on social media um for the reasons that you're probably alluding to as well. Uh, and I kind of respect that because social media is not always the best thing to have in our lives, but it's there. Um, it, can't, it has a lot of benefits, but it also is not great all, all, all the time. So I, you know, and so um, I, I'm really, I'm glad to see Mariyama on Twitter, but also, you know, hopefully she has found a way to kind of, she's probably thought about it for a while. I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm projecting, but I'm just, I'm just excited that she's there. And I don't want it to be an unpleasant experience for someone like her because um, I just respect her art history i don't know her but i respect her artistry very very deeply and i always have mm-hmm. since her wolf uh so this is all fantastic um so some of the other characters uh the, a, a face you might some of you some of you might recognize bruce altman plays brian one of the faculty members one of the other professors uh I've, se- I've seen him in other things i just don't remember what they mm-hmm. are exactly um another person talia ba- bossam plays deandra uh other characters too um I mean it's a real it's the, you see different characters here and there but th- those are pretty much your core people you've got um uh Jasmine's peers like Talia Ryder plays Amelia who I played I believe plays her uh roommate for a while Ella Hunt plays Cressida Chris no Cressida um I think she's the is she the British yeah, actress yeah she's or the is... British
1: British actress. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Noah Fisher plays Katie, Anna Van Patten plays Libby. So, you know, just you're up, you're, a lot of up and coming folks. No one is like a superstar, but then there's also the other, um, black female, uh, a, a student who I want to say was a grad student. She might've been an undergrad or an upperclassman, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. still an undergrad, but I, I, I couldn't tell if she was a grad student or not, but she played Sasha. Her name's Kara Young. Um, another up and coming, um, a phenomenal performance person who I hope we see in more things too. Carrie Young, Um, sister, I hope I see you. We hope we see you in more things. Um, But yeah, so that's basically the premise of Master. This is a, this is supposed to be like an Ivy League. I'm assuming an Ivy League kind of college in New England. Uh, So Carolyn, let's just... Again, before we get started, what are your initial thoughts about Master? What, what how, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, I loved it. I loved how she weaved in all the things that black women would pick up on in such a subtle way that, it, and and the supernatural as well. That you know, just I think I I, I dove into it like. Because I love I love what she does as well. Um, it's not a huge body of work, but it, what, what she's done, it's on point. So I was very excited when I saw this um, film. And it was at Sundance, right, you were saying? Was it Sundance? Yeah, so yes. I missed that, obviously, because um, I think it was geo-blocked. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, I'm rambling. But I was excited to see her film coming out so, and even more excited to see that it was going to be streaming sooner rather than later so um, I guess I kind of dove into it with no expectations actually because I didn't want to put like these heavy expectations on her films even though I know she's very talented and I was so pleased by the subtlety by the um the weaving of the supernatural by the personal kind of triggers that I felt, not in a bad way, but I'm like, yup. (laughs) I was like checking the boxes off. Like I was there. I experienced that. That happened to me. So I think just it's such a tight production and so well done and well thought out too. Um, It was just a a win for me watching it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, even I mean from the very opening yeah this 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 movie comes out swinging and doesn't stop and it has a nice little crescendo to when when you get to like the climax and we'll talk about that obviously uh it's everything everything in this movie is so well earned uh how I've (laughs) it's everything about this movie feels very natural where nothing feels contrived and these performances are so natural and almost that's a, that's a sad commentary on our times. Right. It's because everything in this movie is so relatable. And so it just kind of rolls off the cuff with these characters that these um, performers are channeling that it's, it, you're just seeing it almost, I've heard, I've heard it, I've heard it described by one person as like, a, it almost can be a documentary in a sense, a stylized documentary. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't, one i don't disagree with that um it, it coming out swinging like also when you think of it, the style, the the style of the zoom, because I asked someone about this, I'm just like, what is with the zoom? Because I'm like, I've seen that, because I've have seen it in Jordan Peele's Us, and I the first thing I thought was Kubrick, but I kind of wanted to, to ask a filmmaker. I'm like, you're seeing that too, right? And this person was like, oh yeah, it's totally. It, she she definitely is channeling um, Kubrick a little bit with um some of the zooms the 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 zooms she has, especially when she there's there are times when she I think the the very first scene that we see the zoom on like the kind of like you're 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 kind of high above campus but you kind of see the architecture mm-hmm. of the buildings mm-hmm. and stuff uh, and you know again it's you see the juxtaposition of uh, Jasmine coming coming in as a freshman where all where they're having this kind of freshman orientation and Gail walking towards her new home and Gail's wearing red. Red is a color that comes up quite often in this film. You're really great at like breaking down colours in films, Carolyn, though. Like with all the red in the films, we see red we see red in the windows, we see red in hallways. What do you how do you feel about red in this in this particular film? Um
1: Yeah, because like you see the it's weird because there was a few col like a few, color, like, few primary colours. There was like um, especially like for instance when she was going to the, the party. Um, There was like a lot of red lighting in that, too. And to me, um, you know, everybody thinks red is like a a warning. Um, And I I feel like the red lighting is kind of like that foreshadowing of something that not great coming. Um, But yeah, I I, I also a target, you know, Mm -hmm. red is a target, like a bullseye, you Mm. know. So I mean, there's that too, yeah. It's just really interesting. I did like the use of the the kind of ominous shadows as well in in the film.
0: Totally. So, yeah. So they're all so it's Gail and Jasmine kind of walking into this new experience. They're doing something new, and I also noticed. Um, when when the when the one student is talking to Jasmine, and we don't really, like, hear, they, like, kind of, like, snicker about or, like, go, oh, no, you have that dorm room. Because when she says her name and then it, then the person who's carrying the clipboard to to make sure that everyone goes to their assigned space, you don't really hear them. That, like, they're not letting her in on the thing that's mm-hmm. an issue or the, the lore of, like, why they're having the, the reaction to where her dorm room is. Um, they don't let her in on that. Uh, and there's also, I noticed like on their t-shirt, is there mascot a witch?
1: Oh, I didn't see that. That I didn't notice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think, I think the school mascot's a witch or something. I think the whole, it seems like this whole university, it's called Ancaster. So the whole university is kind of like shrouded with this, with the lore of the Salem witch trials, which I know Mariama has discussed like being kind of obsessed with or not, maybe not obsessed, but she's like been fascinated by that and has done her own research. So
1: Interesting. And of course, it's a New England school. Well, and stuff. What really struck me with that first scene when she's coming in is that, you know, Jasmine's all fresh faced and she's ready to start fresh. And she's like, I'm in, you know, at one of the best schools. I'm at college now. Here I come college. And the, you know, the, the greeters are like, oh, you're in that room. And it just it's it's it made me think like what, they've already singled her out. Like she's trying. She's mm. coming with this like just her body language and everything she's like bringing her suitcase in and she's coming in with this attitude that she's gonna fit in she's gonna conquer this you know her college years and they're already singling her out by oh you're in that room and you know I feel like that that moment is that when she looks really uncertain and there's so many layers in that look on her face like oh I'm I'm just trying to fit in and I'm already singled out. I've got like a weird room, like what's happening, you know? So that really spoke to me right away.
0: Yeah. Again, we get, we get hints as the movie goes along, but Jasmine is coming from a situation where she's always been the cream Mm -hmm. of the crop that that's Mm -hmm. the impression that we get from her and we'll talk a little we'll talk about that as we go along of course but that's the, the idea um I don't know as far as socially that's a, that's a little bit more shrouded in mm-hmm. mystery mm-hmm. perhaps and I feel like it's even more mysterious when we when we'll talk about like how her character changes even in physical appearance mm-hmm. but we'll get to that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I like again I noticed a little you, you notice the things like when you when you watch this folks like Gail couldn't get into her house initially she has the key she can't get in it, it's she's having trouble getting that front door open and then she exasperatingly calls security to help and she's like I'm trying to get in the house can't get in the house and then um because this is a genre film the door just magically opens by itself and she goes hmm she has that hmm that's a peculiar thing and again I think that's kind of loaded too the idea of like you know um the Uncertainty, like you're trying to break, you're trying to get not break, we get get through a door that won't open mm-hmm. for you. It's all everything is everything is all coded. Every single action of this film is coded with the with the general theme. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like she has the keys to the castle, but we'll let you know when you you're allowed in. You yes, know? we'll let you know
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, what's interesting about the, how um, how Mariama with her editor and whomever else she's kind of collaborating with um or the people that she is collaborating with sets up the um certain sections of the film. So there's one title card that says can someone clean that up please. Mm-hmm. You 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 know you 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 caught onto those, right? Mm-hmm.
2: The yeah. the title
0: cards basically. Yeah, so that's what you're going to see in a title card. Um the, this is the first one. Um and I have and someone um I find interesting. Who is the someone? Um and then I think this is, yeah, Gail has this speech about the legend of, Mar- of Margaret Millay. And apparently it's true that she was hung um, because she was a practicing witch, um, as the story goes. And um, that's the, I've heard a lot, of, I'm not a witch scholar at all. I hear a lot of people talk about um, not just the Salem witch trials, but the idea and the concept of a witch. And I know that has been like really talked about and like, um, books about pop culture in real in really deep, meaningful ways. Um, And I know that uh, Mariama has said that she, she not just only being interested in the Salem witch trials, but being interested in the uh, person who was Tituba, who we don't know. We know she was not white, but like, was she indigenous? Was she black? We're not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. And she's interested in that. Now the Margaret Millet character in this, in this film I, 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 this is probably me, me, um, stretching, but we do see that at painting of her. And I'm like, I don't know. She could be white. She could be mixed race. We don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't know how you feel about that or, or, or the idea of or the genre convention in this and, and especially like, um, channeling the witch lore basically.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of like, it's like this underlying, I mean, it must be quite a trip to be first of all a woman going to this you know institution which has been obviously at first run run and attended um by males right and men mm-hmm. and so to kind of break into that as a woman in general and then to have this lore this legend of this witch this woman who is you know um she was hung that's kind of a pretty heavy shadow to put over a school that is now supposed to be really progressive you know mm-hmm. so it's like really that's kind of like a real heavy thing and I mean the the students uh, latch on to that like it's you know it's like this uh, legend of the school and it's kind of fun and in a way and it, it's fun to scare each other with that sort of thing but if you're like a, a a woman and it's say you were, I mean, say Margaret was just a little different, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Or,
1: you know, maybe she did have psychic abilities or, or whatnot. And she was persecuted for that. Well, you know, that kind of trickles down to um, uh, Gail and Jasmine, you know, being not accepted. And it's it's just like a really interesting kind of layer there that you I don't know it's it's not really the focus but it just made me think like wow that this is a perpetuated legend of a woman that was persecuted in a progressive school like it makes me kind of scratch my head a bit but yeah it was it was interesting and i guess that shows the power of the patriarchy
0: yeah absolutely
1: absolutely
0: um no one like she's this is a whole orientation deal with the students who live in this building Um, you know, with the idea of like Gail having, yeah, because Gail's in this position of power where, you know, patriarchal norms don't like women in power, um, which is an extension of calling a woman a witch, something that is powerful and something that, um, men truly were abhorrent, were were against. (laughs) Uh, during, the, during the witch trials and all of that. And so, you know, Gail's really trying to use her position, not just for, and really not, as, I don't think it's, I'm assuming that Gail didn't really feel like this this position was about her. It was about how she could help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really, you saw that, it, that became even more clear as the film goes on. And, you know, again, I notice noticing the little things. Like, um, people are mostly sitting in groups, especially the three, uh, the the three white girls or the one, well, the one girl's non-white apparently, but like that's alluded to later on and we'll get to that. But like the three girls are sitting together and, and Jasmine keeps looking back at them for some odd reason. I don't know because one of them is her roommate, but Jasmine is not sitting next to anyone. She's sitting on a, she's sitting on a far seat. No one's sitting next to her. It's, oh God. She just every little thing. She just thought about. I love filmmakers who think about all these little things. We're just like, hmm, isn't it peculiar? You're no one sitting next to Jasmine, and then Gail talks about never going back home again. Um, and I and I understand for a lot of people, and it did for me if I'm being perfectly honest. But college does change you. You learn. You you meet new people, and you're and and if you, you know, depending on your your educational trajectory more or less you're learning new things and you're learning things that are outside of your comfort zone meaning everything you thought you knew or thought you or what you thought about the world is not always true mm-hmm. and chat and, and college pushes you to challenge those beliefs and those thoughts and I think that's may- maybe that's a big part of that as well but I think also uh, it, I think Yeah, and I think that's really even true for Jasmine because we because we had just mentioned the idea of she was perceived or really she was she felt comfortable. It seemed it seemed like everything was cool when she was in high school. Um, Later on, she does mention she was a valedictorian. All these things, you know, oh, man, I can't spoil it. But yeah, we're going to talk about it. But yeah, there was a she had a lot going for her that really gave her the confidence and rightfully so when she came to Ancaster and that just completely just this school this place just deflated all of that incrementally.
1: (laughs) I experienced that myself because I got really good marks in high school and then I had a choice of going to university for dance and university um, just for like a general um, arts degree And um, the one for dance was too, really far. So I had to take a few buses. I'd be traveling all the time. And the one for my general arts degree was downtown. It was a more prestigious university as well. So I got into, I took that, you know, I got into that school and I took that, um, the closer school, the more prestigious school. And boy, when I got my first (laughs) paperback, it was a rude awakening (laughs) because I feel like university and college, it's like um, kind of a pre-entry to the quote unquote real world where, you know, your little insular high school world that you've established some sort of hierarchy or or role in your school is completely thrown out and you have to reestablish yourself. Right. And you have to learn the new rules of this bigger, larger institution. And you kind of it just makes you kind of you're forced to assimilate to these rules which is it sucks but also it gives you the tools to kind of function out in the real world even though I found my university education well it is helping me in some ways now in terms of the skills I gained in terms of research and and writing and blah 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 it didn't really prepare me (laughs) for the real world on the other hand in terms of being, like, so academic and then not really practical.
0: So... Yeah, you can yeah. be so academic that you forget how to socially interact with people. Like yeah. In, <laughs> oh, boy. And everyone knows that that's true. Sometimes you can veer too far off to the left. You can be super accomplished in these certain things. But if you don't have a balance of, like, knowing how to, you know, get get along with folks or just have some sort of, like, understand so- social cues and be direct but be honest but be also um empathetic and all these things some people just don't have that um and that's unfortunate um that's not really that that totally happens to it to an extent and i think Cause the next scene is in the dorm room and I, and I feel like, you know, the, the three girls who were in the previous scene, they're in Jasmine and Amelia's dorm room. I think the girl's name is Amelia, her other, her roommate, her her roommate, and they're having just like this little like social gathering with alcohol. I don't think any of them are old enough to drink. (laughs) Yes. I'm being that person. Um, and so, you know, it's a little, not chaotic um, but yeah, they just like, just one of the girls just casually throws J- Jasmine, throws a rag in her face cause some alcohol was spilled. And like, can you clean that up or something? She does something like that, but it was just weird. And it was, again, it was one of those things and just like, oh, you know, just throw a rag in this person's face and say, oh, she'll clean it up. Like it, it's, again, it's real subtle where you may not think of anything. Oh, they're just throwing it to Jasmine. I'm like, well, why are they throwing it to her? Because she wasn't even drinking. She didn't spill nothing. The person who spilled it should be the one to clean it up. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I think that was the point how that kind of rolled. And it's like, and I feel like, you know, maybe folks like them, they can continue to act that way for the rest of their lives. But we, but when when non white people and black people in particular, because we're talking about black women, when you're faced with those kind of situations, how do you, you have to alter your behavior sometimes or it feels like you do especially when you're young and naive not like a like a character like jasmine jasmine's very naive um and when she does it she has to what is how does she have to alter her behavior you know what i mean in Mm -hmm. order to not seem antagonistic or 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 be
1: difficult and all those things right i i kind of okay so i imagine she's so she's Um, coming from and I guess we'll hear about this later but she's coming from the suburbs so I imagine that she's been around girls like this before right so um, once you learn that you kind of see why her reactions like cuz she's just kind of looking at the girl but I, I feel like she's maybe feeling them out before she makes a reaction but I don't I don't think that she really embraces that moment to kind of show where she stands with these sort of things. But then also, like, there's a lot going on because you don't want to alienate yourself from these new people. Um, You're feeling them out. Um, And then she tells that story about herself. (laughs) Yeah. And like the girls, I feel like if that story came from one of the white girls, they wouldn't have reacted in such a way, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. What do you mean in such a way? I'm, cu- I'm like, curious. Like they, the way they were like, ew, like, oh, my God, that's gross. Like they oh. kind of they kind of judged her where I feel like if one of the white girls had said, oh, my God, yeah, I peed my pants, they would have just laughed and like, uh, you know, but yeah,
0: they judged her and kind of cut her off, too. They tried mm-hmm. to make her story about them as well. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, and I feel like she told that story to f- obviously to fit in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just was very painful watching that because I feel like I, I'd experience, I'd experienced that sort of thing yeah. as well, where I was not exactly the most outgoing person and I was fairly timid. So like, I would have been like, oh, okay. Like, you know, the younger Carolyn was not, um, a go-getter, let's just say, <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're right. Like she, and also, I, yeah, I don't know if she knows how to react to that situation yet, right? Because mm-hmm. everything's a delayed response when you're still trying to figure out who you are. So there's no confidence about who. Yeah, when you're 18, you do not know who you are.
2: Mm-mm.
0: I don't care what walk of life you come from. When you were 18, you don't know who you are. I don't care. I just that I I said what I said. So and especially someone like Jasmine totally doesn't know so yeah um she doesn't have reactions to think to things like this just yet but it's it's just really um so unfortunate how like yeah in one semester we see this evolution that's just so hard that's so hard (laughs) it just every it just every <laughs> it just seems like almost like a lifetime of everything that we've experienced as far as microaggressions. We're in this like few months of this semester that's supposed to be playing out on screen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so I, I, did, I just think that's interesting. Also, you know, uh, it, there's a lot there's a lot going on with that. But that's but that's kind of like you know there's it, there's there's more that's gonna it's just. That's just another pot sheet sheet of rocks that just is just built on this just train wreck that we're gonna see how to happen. Train wreck is not the right word. Mm-hmm. I can't think of another one right now. Rock with us, um, <laughs> and then so like so when Gail, so you remember the scene where Gail is being painted because I guess every master of a house is being is painted and you're mm-hmm. kind of immortalized in this mm-hmm. way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so. I, I was, I was watching it with someone and he was just like, he was like, ugh, because the guy who's painting him is just like the painting Gail, like this old white dude. And he was like, oh, you're master of a house. That's quite a step. And like he, the, the person I'm watching with totally interpreted it as just arrogant asshole. He's just making a, he's just making that um, statement like. Like and to, to allude to the fact that like she doesn't belong or like, oh my God, a black female master, how uncommon kind of a kind of a thing. You know, I don't know how you feel about that, but he picked up on that. He just like, he's just, he seemed disgusted in a way. Um,
1: yeah, it's just like, oh, so, oh, like, oh, isn't that nice for you that you got this position that maybe a white person could have felt better, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. All these unsaid things, like, yeah. Yeah, it's... again,
0: all these unsaid things. Um, And then the bell, then she hears a bell, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because no one rings, no one's ringing the, the bell, right? There's no one there. mm But she finds she goes upstairs um, to another room, and there are bells on the wall. Now, is that like this? Is where I should have um, did some research on history. Now, do you know anything about the bells, where you have the bells mounted on the wall, and then the bells mm-hmm. have designated rooms? you yeah. know anything
1: about? Yeah, yeah, they're like they're servant bells, basically. So, like that's very old school, very British. So I guess they brought that over. But um, yeah, so each room has a bell. And if you're having tea with the ladies and you're in the, you know, the drawing room Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you need something and the servants. And I believe the bell system is, um, there's a set in the kitchen. Um, I guess like in the old timey times. Um, What's that show? Downton Abbey? Is that Mm -hmm. it? I'm sure that they would have that as well. But, and also that movie with um, Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. Thompson which makes me cry every time remains of the day oh my god that's such a beautiful movie anyway so they're like servants and so that's a that's a thing that's a servant bell and it tells you what room you need to go to and it's kind of invasive that it's in the um the maid's quarters which is where she finds the bell system yeah it's so invasive (laughs)
0: And I, I'm and I just, just find yeah it's the it, which, that's crazy right because the supernatural element of it is like no one there's no no one's ringing that bell Mm-mm. yet it you know mysteriously chimes on its own and she's able to find like is she going to the space where she quote really belongs in this house right like yep. that's what it kind of feels like cuz she's cuz throughout the film she's constantly going up to that room and as she goes up to that room she sees more and more and i that's real mm, yes Mm -hmm. so this is this is the kind of movie we're dealing with folks um
1: so did you feel too like that bell like now that i think about it i'm Mm -hmm. like was that bell trying to get her to as you were saying find that place where she's supposed to be not in the main house you know like it's like oh you need to be up here it's calling you up here like oh yeah Wow. It's
0: calling, yeah, I, I think that's a part of it. I also, I think the additional component to that is her, yeah, because of who she is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and it's, she's able to, as a black woman, she's able to see, again, my, the microaggressions, this is what we're talking about. She's able to see and hear and understand things that other people... I e not not black not women, not, not black and, and not female in this particular situation or woman identified people are not they're not able to see these things so she's hearing these things and seeing these things that people aren't necessarily doing
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that's the I think that's a big part of the supernatural element supernatural element is we're seeing and hearing things that not, no one else is seeing and it's like and and like and again we're gonna talk uh, like this scene might come up again when we're talking but even when Jasmine hits a, there's a certain point in this in in this movie where Jasmine is like being honest about how she's feeling about being at Ancaster and that sasha that other black student they finally meet um and she and-, ja- and sasha turns around and looks at her and says, You're not wrong mm-hmm. that that don't say everything that that per- i mean boom right <laughs> yeah and again every every single epiphany epiphany epiphanal, that no it's not a word, but what? y'all know what I mean. Every epiphanal moment in this film is earned. Mm-hmm. It, you, it hits it right on the nail, and it kind of just brings it all home. And it's affirming, especially for certain audience members like us, you know. And I that's why this movie is ah, uh, yes. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So can we talk about the lunchroom? Because I and I, I need you. I need you to. St- I need you to talk about the lunchroom. Because I. Because I, when I
1: first saw, it, I'm like, what is that about? So let's. Yeah. So, get please. Okay. So. Oh, my God. Okay, so, um, collect my thoughts. First of all, that, that, okay, so let me talk about this part first. Okay, so when Jasmine's going to the, the lunch, the, I guess, the cafeteria, the eating hall, all the employees serving are black. And so you see this black server and she's like, how you doing, honey? How's it going? She's talking to all these. She wouldn't say how's it going because that's Canadian. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) that's just me. Anyway, and she's she's talking to all the white students and she's kind of putting on a little minstrel show for them. And then Jasmine comes and she just gives her like this hard look. And also Jasmine sees, I believe, the portrait of the founder of the school, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like it has this like ghoulish skeletal face and then she blinks and it's normal. So it's like this weird moment where uh, she's not accepted by this black staff. They're kind of like that 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 server looks at her like, what the hell are you doing here? Or you think you're better than me? Or like it's all these things wrapped up in one um, in one look. And then when Jasmine is trying to find a seat and they give that overhead Look, it just made me think of a black lady sketch show. (laughs) (laughs) You remember the lunchtime, (laughs) the lunchtime sports casting? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) I was like, "Oh my God, they're right!" (laughs) It's like trying to find a spot, and and she can't find. She doesn't know where to go because Mm -hmm. she's been so thrown off by, you know. I mean, there's no place for her. There's no place for her, even her own people are like judging her at being there like oh yeah i was i was really taken aback
0: by that um mm-hmm. because watching it for a second time i looked at jasmine's face more mm-hmm. because she wanted she observed what was happening prior Mm-hmm. And she had this look on her face, like she wanted to engage, just, mm-hmm. just, just like she was getting engaged. Just like, I'm her. She's she's uh she's credited as dining worker, and I'm sure Angela Grovey. I'm sure you're a wonderful woman, you're a wonderful actress. I know this is not who you are, but you a lunch lady ass. I'm calling you lunch lady ass. <laughs> and Jasmine's face was just like it was. She almost there was life in it a little bit, and then when mm-hmm. she saw that lady give her that cold look. She looks so defeated, and mm-hmm. I, we, you and me personally, we've t- we had conversations. We know that hurt, especially mm-hmm. from your own people. It's devastating. That's, it's devastating, and you know, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's what led to like the next scene where she's trying to look for a place to eat, and she's just so she feels she feels lost in the sea. And she's still she's at this standstill where she doesn't know where to go because she doesn't because she doesn't really belong. Mm-hmm. That's this is what this atmosphere is
1: conjuring. And like I was really hoping that there that's I don't know because I just you know. I wanted the the lunch lady to be like, "Hey, girl, you know, good good for you getting in this school." But Not I gotta even good tell for you, you something. But the wink, yeah. but
0: the wink and nod, like yeah. they're like mm-hmm, yeah, you, you do, you do the thing, girl. Like she don't yeah. have to say anything. It's just it has to be just be a look, a like warm a look. smile. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I
1: interrupted you. Please, no, no, but I totally agree. Like yeah, just like a wink, a look, like you know. I, I thought maybe she was gonna be like, "Hey, I gotta tell you something," you know, like kind of. Put bring her into that bubble of blackness that sometimes, you know, like, like I was saying, I was at TIFF party years ago and there's a couple, like a handful of people of color and like maybe two or three black women. We gave each other the look and the nod, you know, mm-hmm. like acknowledging each other, but that, and I think that's the important part of the scene is that I think Diallo's probably thinking, oh, okay, everybody's going to think that the lunch lady's going to be nice to Jasmine, but yeah. she totally throws us off of our expectations, and that was brilliant, so. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally was.
0: And um, I just needed to unpack that scene for a minute because that, that, that scene is probably always going to bother me because I'm going to watch this movie um, multiple mm-hmm. times in the future. And I just needed to process that with someone else because I needed to know. Because I wrote down in my in my notes, she's alone from that. And it's just sad to me, but it's, but it's a part, but it's a part of telling this bigger story because, and it might be a class thing too. It might be hierarchical because we mm-hmm. see Jasmine's peer, we see Gail, you know, try to be that support person. So it's just not all black people turning against her, obviously. And I think mm-hmm. that's a part of the balance of this as well. Cause again, I think that lunch, um, lunch lady ass exchange, um, <laughs> again, every, every, everything is just, smothered in layers on this film in, in such a beautiful way. Cause I, mm-hmm. cause this is what, this is the, this is what I want out of just f- my film ex- watching experiences and, be, and being, a, and doing analysis is I don't, I love when filmmakers let us know that they respect our intelligence mm-hmm. and they don't want to spoon feed us everything. They want to, they want to tell a story cinematically in images So that we're filling in the blanks Mm -hmm. of what their of what their message is.
1: Well, yeah, and to that point, just back to the lunch lady. In a way, I so if (laughs) this is a whole West Indian thing, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if that lunch lady was West Indian and it were me, she'd be like, kiss her teeth or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, you know, older Black women from the West Indies, they're harsh. So, in a way, that wasn't unexpected. Because I thought, when I saw that scene, I'm like, mm, if she was West Indian, she would have given her, like, a, a kissed her teeth or made a comment. <laughs> like, oh, look at your hair, girl. you yeah, Fix that hair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's just an aside.
0: Yeah. So, a- after her successful... Uh, unsuccessful, I'm sorry. Uh, mm. uh, break, um, getting some lunch, she comes back. So... Jasmine comes back to her dorm and there's a whole bunch of like uh other students, you know, uh having a social gathering in the room and, you know, uh her roommate makes a side comment like, Oh, chills, she's not going to do anything, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um also this, this this social gathering involves uh a couple of students
1: sitting on Jasmine's bed <laughs> I laughed because I was waiting for you to bring this up. I, When I saw that scene, I'm like, I got, okay, Ashley's going to say something.
0: <laughs> so they happen to be uh, sitting on her bed and they're in their street clothes, nonetheless. And Jasmine feels compelled to sit on the uh, ledge of the window, not her bed. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not going to come in my motherfucking hat room. Put your motherfucking street clothes on my motherfucking bed and I ain't gonna say nothing. Oh, chill. She's not gonna do nothing. Bitch, if you don't get your motherfucking body off my motherfucking bed, it's gonna be a problem. That is so disrespectful. I'm crying.
1: (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) That's gross. And the shoes on the bed? Oh,
0: you know, and and she didn't even
1: n- n- no. I you know
0: now eighteen year old Ashley, as shy and naive as I was too, I'd be like, um, can you please get off my bed? Mm-hmm. And I would have said it probably with a little bit more bass because that's that's mm. there's a certain point. Pete, this is where people push me, right? And that and, and doing that is is really trying me. So I would have like, I would, first of all, because I'm apparently the queen of looks. So I would have first started with the look and that should have been warning enough. But I would have been like, um, can you please get off my bed? And I would, I would, I would try to be diplomatic. But yeah, but don't catch 39 year old Ashley. Don't, don't, nah, no, you don't want this. 18 year old was a little bit more reasonable. A little bit more forgiving. Mm So that's. you know I not only does she come back to her room and then some dude in the room gonna be like who are you
1: so rude and you know her roommate too didn't have she wouldn't have obviously wouldn't think of this like oh don't go on Jasmine's side that's her side stay on my side like yeah so rude
0: like that's my roommate stuff. Don't you know? This is my gathering. Sit, sit, or sit over here. We'll grab some chairs from the common room. Nah, mm-hmm. no. Nah. Just, just no. Just, just no reverence for her, for her presence. Right? Like she doesn't exist there. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the point. If them sitting on this, on this, this non-used bed in their, in their subconscious mind. She, she's 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 a non-issue. She's a non-thing that's here, and that's why it was so easy for for some some boy to question why who are you like she like she doesn't have a key to this room and that she's she's not this is not her stuff, and also to remove her more from who she is as a person, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, Lizzo, one of the Williams sisters. Fuck you, like I totally and you just eat it you just, you just you just when you're younger and you don't know what to you don't you can't contextualize what this fully is yet you just sit there and you, you'll
1: sometimes you'll just eat it mm-hmm. because you just, you don't know you, you don't know what that is or like your life experience hasn't taken you to that point where you've experienced this type of microaggression and it like erasure of your unique personality to equate you to black celebrities because that's the only blackness you know you know that's disgusting
0: yeah it's uh, you know i y'all folks can yeah like i I would love to (laughs) i can't wait there's i've mentioned um this podcast before shout out to black and black cinema but Every, every, all y'all who are going to be doing Master talking about it on your podcast stuff, I can't wait to listen Mm -hmm. because I know there are going to be more rich conversations amongst black folks and other non white folks about this movie. Can't Mm -hmm. wait, especially Mm -hmm. about that scene. All scenes, really, but really that one because that one really got my goat because that was the scene where I had to pause it and I just was
1: just like, Carolyn, we are doing this movie. Oh, my God. So good. I just as soon as I saw, I'm like, oh, Ashley's going to have something to say about this. (laughs) You know me too well. I know you. I know you very well. I love it.
0: So, you know, um, again, help, help me with this. So next we're in Rachel Dolezal's classroom. Oh, I'm sorry. Her name is Liv Beckman. Yeah, I just yeah, I just spoiled it. I don't care. It's Rachel yep. Dolezal, and they are uh, unpacking the Scarlet Letter. Which, God, I read in high school enough with this, so I guess it goes kind of back. It's uh, you know attaching itself to the whole idea of the whole lore of the school and stuff. And Hester Prynne is the name of the character, I think. I don't know. And they're just talking about it, but why choose the Scarlet Letter? I, I know, like, I kind of could guess, but I'm also kind of, like, sure. And I feel like Red is attached to it because we see a lot of Red in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. What did you think? Because she, like, because Rachel Dolezal kind of, like, shuts Jasmine down. Jasmine is try- is she Jasmine's that student I kind of, I'm not going to say what I just was thinking. But Jasmine is that student that, like, is really super engaged. She wants to, like, you know... She wants to express her opinion. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rachel Dolezal keeps, you know, shutting her down. But I don't know. What do you think,
1: Carolyn? (laughs) Well, you know, I don't, I think I I did read Scarlet Letter in school. I don't remember reading it in school. Pretty sure I didn't. I think I might have read some of it just uh, out of interest. And I don't even remember the plot. And I actually should have looked up the whole plot, because I wasn't really interested in the book itself, but obviously it has some significance. Um, but yeah, again, that, that red, you know, the, the color red, um, which actually makes me think of, um, obviously us and the red jumpsuit and, and what have you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have too much of an opinion on the book, but that situation, I feel like sometimes there are black teachers out there that just want to give black students a bit of a hard time. Like in Loose? Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, you need to, you know, steal yourself against... You think I'm bad? It's going to be worse out there, right? So I think that Liv was kind of that character. Um, but yeah, and I think that it just really knocked jasmine down another notch you know where she's trying again find her footing and you know she probably read that book maybe in high school too and maybe she you know was referring back to her previous research and and what have you but uh, she was just knocked down and i think because then that they refer to the papers um that are written on that book and um what's her name Cressida, uh, the the British student, yeah, like she's just able to, you know, pull a, an anal- analysis out of her ass, um, and makes it seem like it's so easy, um, and I think it's just bias from the teacher.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about that. That's that's That scene's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Because the next two scenes is, like, I feel like are another juxtaposition where we're in Gail's house and she's having some sort of gathering with her other professor peers. Mm-hmm. And then the scene that kind of parallels that is Jasmine um, with the pizza. So it's like both of these, both Jasmine and Gail are serving in a way. Like, they are, Gail's hosting this party at her house with the other professors and Jasmine is kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, hosting this, maybe this, this dinner session or serving and she pays for the food. And Jasmine, again, in a really nice, polite way is trying to like, you know, get her money back because we're all because these three white girls and me or this or two white girls and the non and a, um, a girl that is not white, but can be white coded as white if she so chose like mm-hmm. i forget i forget i don't know what if she, they were kind of alluding to the fact that she is um is being arabic and ethnicity am i getting that wrong
1: i think she might yeah i think she might be she's she's not like like she's not uh, she's from obviously a, a a culture that is not white right so, yeah i
0: think so yeah
1: but she i can't I, don't know if I caught that but I, I you could see that she's not white but mm-hmm. also she can you know maybe pass for Italian or you know like something that is still under the umbrella of white so that's her kind of pass card where yeah and, forgive
0: me folks yeah I don't know if she's supposed to be from Palestine or something because I think mm-hmm. she had mentioned in a bathroom scene, which we which we might get to later, but the, there's a bathroom scene where she talked about like maybe someone from a group of of folks from the Middle East tried to get her to be involved in some sort of um, ethnic group for from folks for who maybe um, from the middle from have family from the Middle East or that's mm-hmm. maybe your ethnic background or whatever, and she just kind of was like, oh, she kind of just brushed it off like she didn't want to be she didn't want to have any part of her ethnic identity on this campus basically.
1: Yeah, it was like it was like a definite. Um rejection of her culture you know yeah she did not want any part of that she wanted to probably lose herself and assimilate you know into this college experience this white experience and she has the she has the option right she has yes. the option whereas Jasmine does not
0: Jasmine doesn't A- absolutely that's the thing so so it's, it's all the little things, like, because when they, see, people think they're being cute and clever. and You just want to punch them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, they talk about Gail being master, and then the one lady goes, Sh- shall we call her Barack? And it's just like, what the, f- wh- why is that something that you fix your lips to
1: say? Oh, I my notes said, um, dumb white people jokes. <laughs> That's what my notes because I've been on the receiving end of so many of the, so many, oh my God. Anyway, yeah, so many, I'm not even going to repeat them. It's just stupid. And you're like, you're not thinking and you're just pulling from a low hanging fruit instead of just saying, that's great. <laughs> Move yeah, on. <laughs> just like,
0: congratulations. And then tried yeah. to allude to like her. Her her um, promotion to master is not like ours because we're white or something. I don't know which y'all what white people are thinking. I don't know y'all. Ugh, whatever. And then like, and then that's the other thing too. Um, because I am assuming that that house has been like lived in before by other masters that have come before her. Mm. And this whole ha- the whole house is a character in and of itself because it holds this history that is trying to tell this other story. This 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 it's another story that's trying to purge itself and it can be channeled through Gail because she's like, if I'm you, like, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is force sensitive, which I know is a Star Wars terminology um, for you, for you Star Wars fans out there. But she's kind of force sensitive to like all the supernatural goings on in this particular space, right? Or in this campus, but more so concentrated in this house. And so, and what I mean by that is she goes into the kitchen to like get more wine or something. And then she goes under the thing and you kind of see it and we're, we're watching from the viewpoint of the this like this ca- this cabinet or this or this uh s- a cabinet space underneath like the sink or a counter and she pulls out a mammy jar mm-hmm. uh and again there's a certain triggering that happens with black people in those kinds of racist relics that maybe don't don't evoke a visceral reaction from people who are not black. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, all the masters that came before her probably, I'm assuming, had just didn't even think about this as something that maybe should not exist in here in this time, right? Because it's supposed to be 2019. 2019, Mm -hmm. this is a new age, is a new era. We should be moving past these things. And yet this mammy jar is still here, still can be found by this black woman who just,
1: and she, she just puts it back. And yeah. And like, it didn't even occur to people that a black person is coming to live in this house, whoever's preparing that house to take that away instead of just tossing it aside in a cupboard that she can easily find. Like, it kinda, I'm like, nobody came into the house beforehand. And as you were saying, like, who was there before that they thought that this thing was okay? A white person, because obviously they wouldn't think about that. (laughs) No, they're not not thinking about that. I know there
0: was a reckoning with a lot of this kind of stuff, um... Uh, oh, no, really in 2020 when we had the um, when the the the, uh, the protests about police brutality really imploded because we were all stuck in the house. we were all looking for an excuse to get out of the house and no one had any other thing to do because, you know, the pandemic just kind of wrecked everyone's lives on, on different, on varying levels. So people were just kind of sick of injustice and just wanted to get out there and try to see if something could possibly change. And so we were getting down to the mind to, to things just like, you know, changing Aunt Mama on the uh, pancake jar, and there were jokes about it on SNL and stuff. And I'm like, uh, or Uncle Ben, I don't know, a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of them folk. Like, I can't say that that's that's not wrong to want to change that, but also, I I feel like I just recently saw a talk with a um, food historian, a black female food historian, where she was kind of talking about the those kind of relics or this kind of like the people on the box, and how it's there's a whole there's a history behind it that i feel it's necessary to learn and understand before we say let's just get rid of it like that's if i and this was a few weeks ago that i heard this that i heard her talk um i have to look up her name i'm forgetting her name right now mm-hmm. um i think her name is Tanya i think that's her first name Tanya with an o let me really quick um yes okay so her um the woman the woman who's the food historian her name is Tanya Hopkins and I, I just kinda like that, cause I don't like, you know, just throwing, just throwing history out. It's like how I, I've talked um, in my class about students, about being nervous about how, you know, they're taking the N-word out of Huckleberry Finn and all these things and banning certain books and we shouldn't be teaching certain books cause they have racist elements to it. And I'm like, well, that's American history. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be teaching this. You're supposed to be showing how, um, cont- we're supposed to be contextualizing things that are now deemed, you know, unacceptable. I think it's important to know it's the whole, like, you don't, you can't go, you can't move forward if you don't know where you come from, that kind of deal, right? I never, I always get my phrases mixed up, forgive me. (laughs) I never remember them. But you understand what I'm saying, and that's the point, and I think that's really um, important about, like, these things. But should, but, you know, her, but should she be, should she be finding that mammy jar, in the house no um i think it's an important plot point for sure because it shows us it it shows people's lack of thought it shows people's lack of understanding um lack of compassion
1: Well, yeah and there's actually um at ferris state university they have a jim crow museum of racist memorabilia so if that jar has a place it's there (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know And I know that there are other Black historians that collect this memorabilia as, like, basically history, right? So it's not out of pleasure, but it's out of history and sort of to document the bullshit that went on, um, you know, the racist bullshit that went on. Um, But, yeah, it's really interesting. You should check out the Ferris State University. It's all... and it gives you the history. I I actually uh, discovered it when I was doing some research for one of my talks but it's fascinating um and they talk about the the thing and the context and that's really important you know such as the as as same as the context in which gail finds that cookie jar it's i don't know i just yeah it's very important yeah absolutely
0: so of course it serves it it serves a there's a point in the film again it's yeah we're, we're we're not this is not stuff we're making this up I always say uh, the thing about me is like I, I let a lot of things crescendo you you just because as you just you just let it's like it's this little thing after little thing after little thing it's like the death by a thousand cuts kind of idea where we're constantly faced with stuff and then you just get to a point where you just like boom because it's just too much piled on everything else and you've been you kept your cool and composure this entire time and then you're just you're you're just so over it and again that's 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 a really great way that Diallo kind of like constructs this, um, this film and how it was edited and put together. Just every little, it's every little thing, every little thing. And then we get to that 90 minute mark and it's, and this and, and, and it's over for you hoes. Like it, you, we, we need to, we need to make things plain. And again, in a way that lets the audience know that she respects our intelligence, but also in a way that is very di- direct. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you, you know, we, we go to, you know, Cause uh, I think Gail's feeling so uncomfortable about this situation that like right after she goes to um, Rachel Dolezal's house, her name's Liv, but it's (laughs) Rachel Dolezal. And then she's all in She's like, you know, she's like, I don't know. I felt weird about, you know, the whole having this, having this gathering and, you know, because you know how they love to want to say it. You know, Rachel Dolezal's like, you felt like a house nigga. She just wanted to say it because she's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm black. Right. I get to say it now. I could say it without repercussions. I could say it to another black person. They won't know cuz I'm black too. Wink wink. So you know, and she just kind of needed that like exhale moment with, you know, Liv her confidant, her friend, the other black woman um on the faculty.
1: Boom. She, she doesn't really get that from her though does she? Because I feel like Yeah, it's Liv is, a, it's a broader like she's just kind of blanketing it oh I'm black I can say this this is what you think but I feel like Gail was looking for a bit more of a um, a, an in-depth discussion like she she was really put off by that just live kind of just like you know making this like kind of clunky assumption you know so I don't know clue number two yeah (laughs) so yes Even
0: though, like, she did, like, you know, they had... I think they had an embrace. They did have a hug and stuff like that. But you're right. Gail did want more. Didn't get it. Hmm. Mm. More on that later. And so the library scene with Jasmine. Oh, boy. Mm. Let's talk. Mm. (laughs) That's your only reaction?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. The library scene is, like, every store that... I always double check when I go to a store. Did you take the security thing off? Did you take the security thing off? I want to make sure because you walk through the. I have like actually a bit of anxiety with that going into a store because I'm being black. It sounds silly, but I do have an anxiety about that. Like, because, you know, we've all had the experience of being followed or um, being watched or. Being over, sometimes people are overly helpful, and you're like, "Can I help you? Like, what do you want from me?" So, the whole library scene. So, Jasmine goes into the library, she checks out some books, she's chatting with the the library worker, not necessarily the librarian, talking, speaking from experience. So, the library worker, and she checks out her books, and Jasmine goes to the the alarm system, and it goes off, and the once nice and sympathetic library worker, her demeanor completely changes. And she asks Jasmine to come back and goes through the books and then goes through her bag. And I don't know, Ashley, you speak because it's just, it, uh, uh, it's a scene. <laughs> you don't let her check your
0: bag. That is the most insulting thing ever. Mm-hmm. But again, she's she's a woman. She's a young woman who doesn't know herself yet. So she's complying. She's getting along to get along. Um, but you you don't do that. Um, you 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 know. You get to a point again. You get to a point in your life where you want your dignity, and you know she tries to do it in that little curt way. She was like, "Can I just you know she gestures to her bag, thinking she stole something." Jasmine knows she didn't steal anything. She doesn't know her that. And she again, there's little things about you know. Your family must be so proud of you. I'm just like, well, no shit. She, I mean, she's in college. I mean, it's not like, it's just the, everyone's painting Jasmine with their own assumptions about who black people are and what black people are. So her being at college is supposed to be some ginormous feat. Like there haven't been legions of incredibly capable and smart black people that have came before her. Mm-hmm. But y'all put us in a position where a lot of a lot of things, places like Ivy League schools aren't accessible to us. And so it's just it's all it's all that little stuff, and then the whole yeah you're right I, I I've totally been followed and 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 uh in stores for sure, um, and I completely understand your over your your over consciousness about it like, um, but I'm at the point where. You follow me in a store. I'm going to turn around and be like, can I help you? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to ask if I can help you because you're following me. So clearly there's something about me that you want. <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm done. Certain, certain certain stuff I'm just done with. And I will confront you on your ignorance. I'm going to do that. And um...
1: actually, uh, anecdote. So I go to the dollar store with Mark. And um, my partner's white. So uh, go to the dollar store. And there's a security guard and he's brown. He's a South Asian dude. I'm going in there. I have a very small purse. I'm looking for something specific. And the dude's following me. Mm. So the, And Mark was off, I don't know, in La La Land somewhere. So I'm like, oh, I said, uh, Mark, can you come here? Because uh, I need your white privilege to help me out here. Just so that this guy knows I'm not Did you I'm say it stealing. loud
0: enough for him to hear it? Yeah, he heard. That would be hilarious. And then he
1: scurried off. <laughs> Mark, was, Mark looks at me like what I said that dude was following me and he just Mark was like oh whatever he goes well you can use you can use whatever you whenever you want my white privilege <laughs> but yeah I said and then he walked away I'm, I was just so time like this is a dollar store bitch you think I'm gonna ruin my life to steal oh. something from the dollar store Please. Yeah, I mean, I've been on the border. I was just talking about this with someone
0: yesterday. I was on the border, um, so I I live in a more or less gentrified neighborhood, but there are some spaces in this neighborhood that still border on you know, the old way it used to be and then the newer way it used to be. And some institutions are still, you know, catered to um, the mostly um, low-income non-white community that was, you know, that has been here for decades. And this one store, I, 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 I'm never shopping it. I'll shop, I'll shop at all the organic irregular behind markets in the area and not the store anymore. Cause I went in, brought, brought my book bag, just just a book bag and a wallet. Cause you know, you want to not use, ba- you not want to use bags, right? You want to use reusable stuff, put stuff on your carry on your back. I don't have a car. Boom. I go in and the security guard just ambushes me. Like I need to take your bag. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm, there's no, there's no reason you need to take my bag. Mm-mm. So you automatically assume that niggas just come in here to steal. <laughs> like that, how demeaning is that? How you just take people's dignity away by having these ridiculous, archaic designs because you're afraid people are going to steal and also just not considering the fact that like some most more times not people are stealing because they're desperate because they are because they are in situations where this capitalist system has put them in where they can't afford diapers they can't afford the stuff that they need to survive and take care of their people and i'm done i refuse to shop in that store Mm -hmm. after that incident i I walked out i didn't give him my bag i just i walked out Mm because i because i'm we're not i'm not doing that and you shouldn't do it. So you should not be doing it. To you shouldn't be holding people's desperation at their feet that they have to go through that every single time they have to shop at this supermarket. That's just, that pisses yep. me off. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, so yeah, w- what we not gonna do in twenty twenty two? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it
1: happened. It, it happened to poor Jasmine and the poor thing. She just was like, uh, okay you know because I, I, again at that age you don't know that sometimes you can say no yes you know you you don't know like i didn't know that i could say no to things and now it's so easily it easily comes out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> no bitch <laughs> no
0: so yeah i mean so she's so she's dealing with all this so let's let's argue for 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 argument's sake that all of this stuff, she's just kind of storing in her, in the back of her brain. And she has, at nighttime, she, she we have another supernatural encounter. And it's Jasmine, while she's sleeping. And the we, we see the, we see uh, a part of the, of what we consider, of what we are assumed to think is the witch. The witch's presence. She makes herself known. When Jasmine's hand is kind of, she caresses Jasmine's kind of arm or whatever, her, her forearm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, because of when Jasmine was telling the story, when they were having a drinking game earlier, Jasmine apparently sleepwalks. So, you know, from that, from like, she, she gets out of, so at, it's still dark at night. So she feels something. She, she feels the witch's hand apparently. And then she kind of wakes up and then she gets out of bed. She's like, she looks under her bed, but apparently we are led to believe that she was sleepwalking at that time. And then she sees like the, the, her roommate kind of wakes up and is kind of just like annoyed with that encounter because she thought that whatever Jasmine was doing was weird and Jasmine wasn't aware she was doing it. And you see the kind of like a bruise or a scratch or whatever on her, on her arm from the witch touched her apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that made me think, cause I, and I, and I caught on to this pretty early on, but I'm like, okay, so like the whole lore about like the witch picks one freshman to torment or whatever and, or to drag to hell with her or something. And for, and yeah, this is kind of like, we're not talking about what the white kids think about the lore. We're talking about this one black girl and her experience with the witch or what we consider the witch and the witch not being a, a literal presence but, like, all of these kind of genre tropes in this film are about what black women experiences, experience in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, even... I was thinking, because... And, of course, Justin Simeon does it in a comedic way. But, like, he... Like, not like as far as his resume so far, nothing's fucking with uh, Dear White People Seasons 1 and 2. Like, that that is just... It's great stuff. Um, the television show, not the movie. Uh, so... And it's, it's, it's kind of a similar situation, but it's not horror, because it's about an Ivy League school and about the black students experiences there. And of course, the first person we follow is Sam White, which is another black woman. She's, she's biracial, but I think she considers herself, I think she is the kind of um, young girl with parents of two different races but but who she identifies as a black woman Mm -hmm. so and they do the whole montage thing where you know some people are like what are you and some guy says storm from x-men and then another guy says beyonce like it's the same shit just different tone different you know, situation, but they a different situation, but same or similar situation, but the, there's a different, there's a different tone. And I just thought about that. I thought about like, that's, that's what the witch is. The witch is all of those little things that Jasmine mm-hmm. has experienced thus far. And is going to experience um,
1: as the movie goes on. And I feel like um, Jasmine's targeted because of her uncertainty. I mean, there's a lot of unsure students. University and college is not easy it ain't easy, you know, and there are other students of color there. And like, you know, there's that racist um, model minority bullshit, where the, the racist assumption that Asian students and South Asian students will do better because of where they come from, and their culture and their upbringing. And it's totally racist and bullshit. And it's something that I feel people, like, white people will fall back on. Actually, and some other people of color as well. Like, it's just an assumption. And so I feel like the assumption that because Jasmine is a black student, there's also other racist assumptions that come with her attending the school. And I don't know if maybe, like, her progressively progressive uncertainty, because she came in bouncy and springy like a cute little, you know, freshman... And it's just progressively getting, becoming more uncertain. And that gives that entity, that witch, a nice grab hold, like a, a hold on her. Because her, you know, her defenses, her self-confidence is slowly being eroded away. So it's really interesting that you, you, you point that out, Ashley. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I love that too. You're absolutely you're absolutely right. It's also, it's all of those things, and it's the extension. It's the college experience, and it's the it's that it's that come two combo of all of the stuff that college brings upon you, and then you're a black girl at a PWI, at an Ivy League PWI, like you know, even like the whole idea of um. I know Mariama Diallo went to Yale, and I know she infused a lot of um. Maybe not her. Maybe not her experiences verbatim, but just like the nature, what the the institutionalization of it all. The, the what, what these kind of experience, what these kind of spaces like an- Ancaster, what that conjures for Black women specifically, I think mm-hmm. is what she's nailing at. Because she she's a woman. She's a Black woman who went to an Ivy League school, so she's just kind of like you know playing around with um playing around with that in this particular film so you know um, the next segment the next title card we see is I hate you (laughs) interestingly enough um, so this this would the other encounter is when we're in Rachel Dolezal's office (laughs) oh I'm sorry her name is Liv Uh, and her and Jasmine are having a conversation about her work and so from what I gather is that the assignment was write a critical race analysis on the Scarlet Letter. Now Jasmine wrote a really great pay paper, but she didn't address the assignment. I have that problem with my students all the time, right? <laughs> and the thing about the thing about that is because the the the, 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 the friction is like Jasmine didn't write a critical race analysis because I believe Jasmine was saying, well, the Scarlet Letter isn't about race. Mm-hmm. And that was not what Rachel DolaZal wanted slash live. Um, she wanted you, she wanted to push your critical thinking skills. Where, how do you, how can you look at a, a, a piece of work like Scarlet Letter and understand race racism, white supremacy, perhaps. And I think that's what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Now, as a professor, what I I am learning still, or a college instructor, whatever you want to call me, you got to be with with students at any level. You got to be specific. I don't (laughs) care what college you're (laughs) at. You got to give minute detail by minute detail um, about what you're looking for in each of your assignments. You even have to say, and the you can't say this this film is not a or i'm sorry this film because I, I teach film studies this this book this 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 novel whatever you can't say that it isn't about about race that's not an option sometimes you have to write that on your assignment sheet right you kind of have to sometimes you gotta have to make it plain you have to take the options from them because what you're trying and i know what what I try to do with my students i try to push their critical thinking i try to challenge them and some and just i it's it that's a hard thing I still believe. Every semester, so uh, you know, I, I'm still I'm still gonna push for it because I think that's just part of my um, my pedagogy. But like, I'm just I'm want I want you to think outside of the friggin' box. Like, you, you I want you to think beyond what you think you know, and that's why I'm having you do extra readings and supplemental readings because you're reading about other theorists, you're reading other ideas to hopefully make you a better writer. Number one, and number two, so you have so it expands your thoughts expands how you think about things. And then hopefully you get the confidence within yourself to put it on paper. And so, <laughs> so I'm not playing devil's advocate with Rachel Dolezal. Um, because she comes at, she comes at it with this bullshit. Like, again, the other thing about this is if you don't tell your student that you can't, that you can't say that this, that this has nothing to do with race. If you don't say that, then it's fair game, right? Mm-hmm. So, if she is writing a well written research paper where she can back up how she feels about the Scarlet Letter not being about race and it's well written, she's making a compelling argument, that's a fucking A. Yeah. You don't give her an F because just because you don't agree does
1: not mean it's not deserving of a decent grade. Period. And I remember professors being dicks sometimes and trying to make it a. Uh, trick question so they they don't give you the specifics to see if you can figure it out well you know you. what I got three other classes I gotta write a paper for <laughs> so do you want to be like as you're saying be specific you don't have to tell me exactly what to write in the paper but just give me some specifics so that I you know can do my research properly like I remember having some dick professors <laughs> So, and I had, I had some great professors too that did exactly like, this is what, this is what the assignment is. No gray areas. And if there are gray areas, please talk to me. End of story. Like, anyway. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Everything you said.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right. She doesn't, you don't have to agree with her, mm-hmm. but it, does she hit the nail on the assignment as far as the mechanics, as far as like the general, the general guideline, if she nailed that shit, that's an A. That, that's an A. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with it. You can totally disagree, but if she but if she did the assignment the way you set out to have the assignment completed, you you, you can't
1: you can't just give her. Um, let's be res- real. She is responding to the question, though, isn't she? Like, yes, exactly. Speaking. Yeah, yeah. So that's
0: that's not an F. that's an an F. Yeah, I would have filed a dispute too. Yeah, We're gonna get to that, but. But yeah, because because the other part of this exchange, where Jasmine is like confused about what's going on, is that Liv thinks she couldn't do this work or like has is having trouble in her class. It is it it, this this scene is real loaded. This whole exchange because Liv, you know, again she judges she judges her Liv. This again clue number three, Mm -hmm. Liv. Is is looking at this looking at this young black girl and thinking, oh, she's she's from the hood, she she had she had it hard growing up, and she's from the tough streets of X place, and so she was able to beat the odds and be smarter than the rest of her peers because you know there's only one exceptional exceptional Negro to town to tenth, mm-hmm. she's one of them coming out of wherever she comes to make it to this school, <laughs> and she's gonna prove to everyone back home that she can make it. Like all that bullshit, and Jasmine's like, "I'm from Tacoma, Washington. I'm from the suburbs." Mm-hmm. And then again, because Jasmine had that projected on her too, so she's like, "I'm not some," and she stops herself because she's like, "Oh shit, I'm not. I'm not I don't want to do what she's doing to me." Mm-hmm. And thinking that all black, all Negroes, and Negresses, <laughs> are just downtrodden and poor and from the hood.
1: We're in our overalls and no shoes, and
0: <laughs> not even that. We're in Tim's And and, and, and Iverson jerseys. And my pants are hanging. Talking that shit on the corner. (laughs) And our parents are playing spades in the back (laughs) with with Newports. Like, no, that's not everyone's experience. Now, it's a part of some of my experience, but it's not my. Look, my, my black experience, it's very eclectic. I have my hood relatives and I have my Christian relatives and I have my more middle of the road. uh, relatives I have been raised by all of those people so every part of Ashley is a very eclectic black experience Mm -hmm. I've lived in the city I've lived in the suburbs Mm -hmm. I love all of my experience it's all about me it's all about me meaning it's I've had these I've I've loved every experience about being black and blackness that I've been able to have you know Mm -hmm. so you know, she, so this is, man, this scene is, this scene's something else.
1: It is. <laughs> it's true, because I've had that experience, too. Oh, where do you live? Do you live, Uh, like, there's a, a neighborhood here, and it's a perfectly good neighborhood, by the way, but it's always associated with crime. And so I remember working um at an ice cream store. Oh, my God. I worked so much during university, because my parents gave me a little money, but they're like, you know, you got a job pay for shit yourself. So, um, you know, my parents were working like working class. My dad was an artist and my mom, you know, worked in an office, but we weren't rich at all, but we lived in a nice well, old crumbling house in a nice neighborhood because they, you know, followed that old thing buy the crappiest house in a good neighborhood. They also wanted their kids to go to a nice school. So we went, you know, to decent schools. Um, uh, And I remember working in an ice cream store, and one of the women that owned a shop there, she's like, oh, yeah, so do you live in that neighborhood? And I'm like, no, I live in uh this neighborhood. She goes, oh, that's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, got a problem with that? Like, you know? <laughs> like, like, like you, Ashley, I have, like, you know, um, uh, relatives, like more in the West Indian sense, where they're, quote-unquote, like, lower middle class. I have very upper... Middle class, I have a, an uncle that was a professor, you know. Like, I have all kinds of different people in my family for, who have different experiences. But you can't lump everything all into one, you know, like, oh, inner city. And, and also, there's nothing wrong with coming from the inner city and, you know, going to uh, going on to higher education. So it's like a very loaded um, conversation where you're Absolutely. like, I'm not from there but there's nothing wrong with being from there and i'm
0: I, and i'm going to assume maybe that's why she stopped mm-hmm. i don't i would i would like to think I'm, I'm projecting now but i would like to think that's why she was just like that's why she did what she did where she kind of where jasmine kind of hesitated where she's like i'm not some i think that was the dot 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 mm-hmm. to that and yeah so we get a follow-up on that this again every every piece of this beautiful puzzle just comes together so nicely um so Gail has the other issue with Gail's house because that's the next scene that she finds maggots so I'm assuming the issues with the maggots does it does it connote death does it connote decay mm-hmm. like I'm trying to like I was trying to unpack that like does it de- like is oh I was trying to like think about like does is it mean does it mean that like the decaying does it mean the quote old traditions that they're trying to keep with the master and this idea and and, and the, and the, and the construction of the house itself. Does it, does, is it, is, are we trying to, understand that these things are death they're de- they're decaying they they don't, they're, not, they're useless now they've always ha- a- they've always has been and that's why there is the appearance of maggots because maggots appear over time during death. they don't appear immediately on dead things right mm. they kind of just they they progress that they kind of come right yeah, i'm just i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah because i maggots are like baby flies basically so the flies mm-hmm. lay their eggs and then the maggots come and then i think they they're supposed to i think they're supposed to turn into flies i don't know anyway mm-hmm. but like um, you know, it, it really struck me cause I was trying to unpack it as well. And I was like, well, you know, Gail represents renewal and, mm. and like she wants, she's trying to bring in fresh life. And this house is so mired in this institution that it's just always going to be, there's always going to be a section that's going to be decaying. And it, no matter how much she gets pest control, control in. It's not, like, it's just overwhelming, and I don't think she'll ever be able to clear that decay, that archaic, you know, um, institutional decay out of there. And that's
0: something that she brings up later in her own words. Mm -hmm. Just like nothing will never, she feels like nothing will ever change. We'll talk about that, of course. But um, I forgot to mention, because it, you know, we'll, some of us will notice, especially us black women, right? Um, so I think the first time we see Jasmine, so the first time we see her, she's got this, she's got a curly poof, she's got natural going on. Mm-hmm. And when we see her in the uh, library, her hair is straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I bring that up because so uh, she has another kind of supernatural experience when she's um, have, taking a shower in the in the bathroom and. She's got a shower cap on, thank goodness. Um, and she sees this really aggressive note sitting on the ledge by. Like now, clearly she picked when she she comes out of the shower, and she thinks she hears something or sees something. Um, she's by the uh, a mirror, and by you know the accoutrement that you have in the bathroom as a woman, and as a black woman, you have um, depending on how long your hair is. You got that bush comb we all know about that long plastic big old bush comb right mm-hmm. so you got the bush comb you got you gotta get the you gotta get the kinks out right you gotta comb your hair you gotta make sure like even if you even if your hair is natural like i have natural hair like you mm-hmm. when i condition it you got you got you gotta you gotta detangle you gotta get that you gotta get that unbreakable plastic bush comb from the dollar store or cbs or wherever <laughs> you all you, we all know it because you all have to get it we all got to use it when we have hair so She picks it up and she's got her, you you know how you have your bush naps in the comb where they get stuck because you gotta kink them out, right? Mm -hmm. And then she has them on there and there's a note, somebody left and they said, like, you know, don't leave your hair or something like that. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Disgusting, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Now my mother has bitched and complained about me having clotted hair yeah. <laughs> in the in the shower and stuff because I have been like you know you rinse your hair out in the shower and stuff. My mother has never used the word disgusting. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting. What do you think, Carolyn?
1: Oh yeah, well I mean I went through the whole jasmine straight hair, curly hair, straight hair to fit in, but then because uh, of my background and my heritage, I my hair is it's um close to your texture, Ashley, and so it's mm-hmm. very curly, so you could wear it straight or um and actually close to to Jasmine's texture. So you can move between those two worlds. But you know, for a long time, like wearing your hair straight meant that you were rejecting your blackness. And now it doesn't really matter because people are wearing wigs and whatever. I think it's just part of the whole cultural thing of of having black hair, but um it's it, it, I've had comments made about my hair as as all every black woman has and like oh you have quote unquote good hair or you know um oh your hair is so springy oh it's kind of it's weirding me out or like there there is that element of disgust for people who aren't black with black hair and they think it's some sort of a punchline and mm, oh yeah And so, yeah, that whole experience of her and it just again, it's like if you could just see if there if Jasmine was was on like a a platform that could go as high as possible or as low as possible, you see that platform drop another notch because it's just taking her down another notch. Um, And it's interesting, too, because you look at Liv or as you call her, Rachel Dolezal, and she's got like the micro braids, right? And yes. she's got the she's wearing the African cloths so and she's very black centric, Afrocentric. And then you've got Gail who has just a really nice natural fro. And then you have Jasmine who is she's got her, you know, little curly fro and then she straightens her hair and she's still trying to figure out where she fits in. So yes, she's trying to do what she can to fit in. And it just oh my heart. That's yeah, no, you're say.
0: absolutely right. I think in this in the context of Jasmine straining her hair, she's trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. I think for um, I can speak for myself, but I feel like generationally, while historically, yeah, there is this rejection of what naturally grows out of our scalp as black people for sure is a part of that. Is when men used used to conk I don't know if it's the, with the conch with the hair and then just Madam C.J. Walker and us just, you know, having mm-hmm. perms and straighteners and stuff like that. Yeah. But like by the late 80s, like people who were like kids our age, we just it was so normalized that we didn't think of it as rejection of who we physically are. Mm-hmm. It was because it was just so normalized. It's just like, oh, yeah, you get to a certain point as a kid, you get to like, you know, six, seven, eight years old. You're going to get that first perm. You're going to get that just for me. Um, mm-hmm. And you just didn't—you did think about it as a rejection of your culture or your heritage. And maybe it's not that. It, it's probably a rejection of, like, again, who we physically are as African people. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, but culturally, just like, oh yeah, a lot of us have straight, straight hair. It doesn't mean we don't love our blackness, or love who we, or love who we are culturally but the roots of that yeah it is a rejection to an extent so yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that when Jasmine straightened her hair she just wanted to fit in like the white girls it's just like oh you just feel bad man um and I'm glad that I think we're getting to a point in time where at least that's changing Mm -hmm. um where again if I see a woman with with straight hair I don't think much of it I'm just like that's again I don't I don't think I don't think black women are rejecting their blackness at all again I think it's just it's been so normalized but there's a but it's very half and half at this point maybe that there's a lot of black women who are not straightening their hair or not perming it at least because you know using chemicals on our scalp is incredibly damaging Mm -hmm. so i think more women are probably just going to the flat iron more than anything else but same difference i think i think i think black women have learned how to use that as a cultural expression in and of itself like hair shows and like also like seeing like um looking in black hair magazines and looking at all the styles with the finger waves and you got the wrap you got the um what is it called i forget the, the french roll no something like that where you would wrap your hair or you got the curls coming down and Ooh. all kinds of like cool eclectic styles that white other <laughs> the other cultures were not doing but we made straightening our hair and turning it and making all these cool designs and stuff when you see like women from Detroit in the, in the 1980s. I remember seeing some photographs of some photographers taking like a picture of like two black women. I think they're from Detroit in like the early 90s or something. And they had those fly girl type hairstyles. And I'm like, oh, I coded that as black, even though their hair is technically straight, right? Mm-hmm. For the yeah. time being, or it's, it's been perm straight. But it's still, that's still, uh, we're always revamping and remixing. Cause we're always, we've created a culture for ourselves in these, in these 50 states and North America broadly including Canada, of course, we've just, we've had to make our own because we can't, we're, they told us we were nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to re- re- revamp that in, in all these complex ways.
1: Well, and some of us had family members like their grandmother, um, make fun of their hair because oh boy. she never wanted us to have our hair curly. She didn't like that. She wanted us to wear our hair straight And I think that was a direct, um, that came directly from her um, being tormented as a kid. Um, And also that's with her experience, her hair. My grandmother was part um, South Asian and her, her father was South Asian. Her mother was mixed black and white. So a lot of her siblings came out white passing. My grandmother looked full on South Asian and she had long wavy hair. Um, more on the straight side. So she didn't like that. Well, she used to harass me more so that my hair was curly and wavy. And so she didn't like that. So she preferred it to, to be straight. And if I didn't have it straight, I would get picked on. So, you know, there's also that element for me as well. Like, but yeah, like the whole situation now, I think with hair, I'm so glad that black women are embracing their hair and like the versatility of black hair. And like, you can wear it straight, you can wear it curly. You can, as you were saying, Ashley do all kinds of stuff with it. And I think that's the prize of having black hair. That's kind of like, we're so unique that we can do whatever the hell we want with our hair. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I love that you brought up the micro braids again. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Really because she, you know, live. Rachel Dolazal becomes a topic again when um, Jasmine is in Gail's office, and like again when I talk about she filed a complaint about her F grade. Um, I don't blame her for that uh, because of that exchange, really, because we kind of unpack that to kind of understand. I'm like, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that um, when you really think about it, because that happens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I get I get students too who want to dispute their grade, and Almost always, like again, sometimes if I don't put up certain parameters, I have to kind of eat it, and that's why I've kind of learned to kind of tailor my um, my guidelines and my syllabi so they so that they they have a better understanding of my expectations. But um, but yeah, man, um, you're getting you're, you're getting this grade. I, I'll tell you why. Um, here's why, and I and I will, I'll, I'll, I've I've broken it down to the gristle mm-hmm. because. Like, you need to understand this is not well written. And this is why. And, you know, some one, I remember one student tried to really come at me um, because she was like, are you disputing my opinion? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, if you look at the if you look at these two sentences, these two sentences do not make sense going together. And so you're this argument that you're trying to conjure doesn't even doesn't even make any sense. And she understood what I was telling her because I was just like, I because I was just like, yeah, co- yeah, come at me because we can talk, we can have a real conversation about why your writing is not good, like honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is me, and this is me as a person saying that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a good writer. I don't think I'm a great writer, but I'm a good writer, and I'm definitely good enough to be teaching undergraduates because I went, I went through this process times ten, and I had teachers that were a lot meaner than me. <laughs> so consider yourself lucky. Yeah. Anywho, so. Um, about this exchange, when Jasmine is talking to Gail about this dispute, Gail takes a beat. So she's sitting behind, so I noticed the, the blocking with this, like, you've got Gail behind her desk and then Jasmine. And then what she says she's going to file the complaint, Jasmine gets up, I'm sorry, Gail gets up, closes her um office door, takes a minute, then sits next to Jasmine. Because now she's really trying to, like have this earnest, like, direct kind of conversation. And I think because, and this is going to come up later, um, about maybe a misstep on Gail's part. Mm -hmm. But what Gail is doing is she's looking after Liv, and she's not looking after Jasmine. She's not really hearing her because I think, I'm guessing in the back of Gail's head is that, like, oh, shit, this could hurt Liv's tenure. Mm-hmm. And live as the only black woman hey, I, <clears throat> on this campus as a faculty member. And it's going to, and I just don't, I, I'm, I'm sick of being the only one in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I, is that, and so that's why she takes a beat. She's like, is there a way that I can use my power of position to make this beneficial for everyone? Because it's not that she doesn't see Jasmine. But I think in this particular situation, she's not hearing her either.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. Because it's like she's got that. And, you know, Gail's position is so like she's walking on that tightrope because when she has the meeting to discuss Liv's, you know, um, tenure, she, it's like she almost throws Liv under the bus, but she kind of in a way has to in a professional capacity because mm-hmm. she has this knowledge that, you know, a student is um, petitioning against this professor. And also, but then she's got like this, it's really a difficult position for, for Gail. And it's true. She does have to kind of, I mean, students will come and go, but she does have to kind of look out for other black um uh, staff yes. you know so it's a very difficult position that she's in but then she you can see like she's kind of frustrated with herself and with the situation but she has to mention that um you know Liv has this thing against her
0: yeah because black women in these situations they have to be perfect because even the lady um she sa- she says Gail do you really think that you could be impartial it's just like bitch, what the the fuck did you, like, Like your brain is going, did she just say that, her name's Deandra,
2: like, like,
1: like, yeah, it was, it's so offensive, it's just like, say it with your whole chest then, you know what
0: I'm saying, I, I'm sorry, I just, I, I don't think, I can, I don't, this is, see, this is one of the reasons why, I mean, for a myriad of reasons, but I, even as an undergrad, and as much as I love education, as much as I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this master's degree, and I was excited about it, I never wanted to go further. My mm-hmm. gut was just like, mm-mm. I just, don't, I just didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had no interest in doing it. I have no problem with being an adjunct for the rest of my life. I don't, mm-hmm. that, 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 that has no bearing on my worth or my value or my skill. And I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about that. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Especially yeah. these people who are in these positions. Because Gail is sitting there like, because DeAndra was like, well, Gail, you were just so over accomplished when you were going up for tenure. And, you know, you had all this stuff. You had already written two books. And you had all these articles. And Gail just kind of doesn't even look at her. She was like, yeah, too many. I was mm-hmm. like, that, that's, that's, all, that's all. Yeah, we know.
1: We know. You have to, you do, had to go over. Ex- yeah go the extra mile to get that position yeah exactly and, she, and,
0: and knowing good and darn well that everyone in that room didn't have to do a, an eighth of what she had to do to get tenure or what she had or what she had to or she felt what she felt like she had to prove to get it and so they can look at someone like Liv and just be like well her you know her her her, her publishing is real thin and yes I know I know that's a part of tenure I, I have a Cursory knowledge, folks who have tenure out there holler at us because I know y'all know you you got to have a certain amount of stuff published. Um, you know, an MFA, a Master of Fine Arts, is more of a terminal degree. I have an MLA, which is just a Master of Liberal Arts. Um, not just the, but you know what I mean. It's it, there's it's it's different, and I mm. and I and I'll accept that. You know, all of these things, and you know, and if you're going up, for, if you do have a PhD and you're going up for tenure and all that kind of stuff, yeah, you got to be got to be published make make it some some notoriety some you know standout research and theoretical um frameworks that you've developed on your own all that stuff and yeah but what but what we can tell from this particular scene is that like you know deandra and her peers more or less are looking for a reason not to give live tenure Mm -hmm. um I forget who the other lady was. <laughs> well, reminds she was me of like someone the, I will not mention it. But... The
1: floaty hippie one, right? She's yeah, like, oh, the- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she was like overly accepting. She's one of those over- overly accepting white people that you know, oh, well, I think Liv is great and, you know, she's going to be a great addition and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was like, "Oh, but does it doesn't really matter that she hasn't really published that much and, you know, we'll we'll, we'll take her." Like, oh, so like so brilliantly written like all these characters are like actually microaggressions within themselves you know they represent yeah. every single one that we've experienced so
0: yeah it, all all of that it, it's just it, and I, I, you can tell yeah mm-hmm. oh no go ahead no I was just gonna just mention just even yeah Gail's body language the whole time is just she's just she doesn't let's keep it, let's keep it real. She doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. And they don't make her feel that way. And they don't, and, and I don't think they even realize that they're doing that.
1: No, they don't. And then at the end of the meeting, um, DeAndra says, thanks her for for that right. comment. And I feel like she was thanking her for betraying her friend in a way. Like I just, and, and you know, Gail's like, well, that's a thing is, And I don't like that. That's the only thing I don't like about the scene is that Gail is made to choose between her friendship. I mean, I guess it would happen with anybody, but there's another layer when it's black, when you're the only two black teachers. So it's really difficult to bring something up that may not be that great for the other person. Right. But then you have to show that you're professional. And as, as Gail said, she's being impartial. So... Ugh, what a situation. Yeah, like, it's...
0: I mean... Because we do have um, another following scene with Gail, but I think I want to talk about that college party.
1: Yes. A little bit. Yes.
0: Um, I thank the Lord I've never... had to deal with that again this is something this is also something that that similarly happened in um in um Dear White People season 1 mm-hmm. but um i remember that Car- scene yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Car- 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 what, what 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 happens at the party
1: with jasmine what 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 does poor jasmine
0: get to witness
1: so first of all jasmine's going to a party with the three girls that she's taken up with three three white girls or what one white appearing girl And they're going to this party. I think it's at the boys' dorm, right? Um, So they Mm -hmm. go off. And the girls get in, and Jasmine gets stopped. And this guy's like, oh, we're at capacity. And she's like, "Um, I'm going in with my friends. And then her friend comes out and goes, what are you doing? She grabs Jasmine. And and the the guy and and Jasmine's friend exchange looks. And Jasmine gets brought in. I have to point out, that's happened to me one million times because Toronto... Well, when I was out in my heyday, Toronto was like that. You had to basically have a white person to get you into a club. But that's an aside. Anyway, um, so Jasmine gets into the party. She starts drinking. And then she starts dancing. And everybody's like kind of looking like, hey, look at Jasmine go. Oh, that black girl can dance kind of thing. <laughs> and... uh Tyler is there with Amelia, Amelia's, um, Jasmine's roommate. And Tyler kind of looks at her like, Hey, she's pretty, she's, she's, she's pretty good there on the dance floor. And then the rap song comes on (laughs) and everybody starts singing along to the words of the rap song. And you can obviously guess what happens. Um, and that makes Jasmine really uncomfortable. And so she leaves the dance floor. So, Take it away, Ashley. <laughs> it was the way that
0: Diallo told that story visually was just mm-hmm. brilliant. And again, she's playing with the horror genre, right? Mm-hmm. So as this song is playing, like the sound design, it, it, it goes up a notch a little bit. And again, you're, you're and so you're seeing like, it's kind of like, I think there's like flashing lights too. I think through, she's using red. Yep in the background and it seems like and you're and you're almost looking from jasmine's pov and you see these white fo- these white kids mostly mostly boys surrounding her screaming like not not screaming but like aggressively like saying the words to the uh to the song and using the word nigga, right and they're saying it they're saying it along they're saying it with all the gusto and bravado and in no, all the all the courage of not having a whole bunch of black men and women in that in that party mm-hmm. with them right mm-hmm. um because they feel like they're in a safe space to say the word that they've always wanted to say in public right yeah and it's interesting the way it's done because you're seeing it because you're you're seeing it's very chaotic and it's disorienting mm-hmm. because the way she has the has all these um all these kids look as if they're looking on Jasmine and not necessarily calling her that, but it's the, uh, it's the a- aggression of it all. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're almost waiting for one of their faces to distort. Right. And like that devil's advocate kind of way. Yeah. It's like, but that's, they look monstrous.
1: And they are surrounding and kind of converging on her. Um, it's like almost challenging her to, protest in a way, but I mean, that doesn't, it's obviously not, it's implied, it's not obvious, but it just has that, it's just very claustrophobic after a moment, and she has to get out of there, you know, and I mean, I've I've had a situation like that where a song, an inappropriate song for the workplace was playing, (laughs) and I had to tell, I'm like, excuse me, you... Can you not play this song? And they're like, oh 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 sorry. Hello. It's not yeah. a song for the workplace. Come on. Anyway.
0: Folks, little Kim's hardcore is
1: not appropriate for the workplace, okay?
0: <laughs> and if you don't know that, what kind of adult are you?
1: Ridiculous. And the thing so... is, like the my white co workers were unbothered. I'm like, hello anyway.
0: <laughs> no. And that well, that's going to come up later too. Yeah. With um, the black woman live, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so you know, all of that. I don't, and we don't know who's doing it. And again, I guess that it doesn't matter. But maybe it is. Again, this is not this is not supernatural. This is part of the more overt goings on when it comes to uh, racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Is that jasmine finds jasmine and gail because gail comes to her door but finds a a noose on her door which people could argue oh that's about the witch right please and then but a carving but the word leave carved on her dorm room like car i mean carved aggressively and ominously and scarily obviously Mm -hmm. especially especially um in relation to the noose. And um, then we get the uh, title card, That's What's Coming. And, um, you know, I'm, Amelia and Jasmine are even more on the outs because, you know... Tyler takes it upon himself he feels he feels entitled to and is probably just wants to check off a a, a checkbox on his college to-do list which is to try to get in with a black girl mm-hmm. and kisses her and Amelia sees it and of course that fuels Amelia with probably all types of like jealousy and untapped overt racism um and she says that she hates um Jasmine and okay like you know, again, I'm ta- I'm am on the outside looking in, and I also have almost forty years under my belt of this kind of nonsense. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you think about me, mm-hmm. but, man. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> it's
1: true because Amelia, like, it's just that that she's so offended that her boyfriend could like that little, or like not a boy, but her crush could like this little black girl, and not her, who is like the epitome of epitome of whiteness. You know, like, how could you even consider this little black girl? I'm speaking, saying this because this has happened to me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's like, how how could you? Ew. She's actually, I I had a, a white friend. I don't know what happened to her, but she liked dating black men. And so her black boyfriend at the time was cheating on her with a black woman. And so she was very upset. And she was like, she's like, oh, I can't believe he was with this she was like this black fat black girl and i'm like excuse me you know who you talking to yeah. <laughs> and she's no no i don't i don't mean it like that i'm like yes you yes, do yes you do <laughs> so yeah i oh yeah, yeah that whole situation with amelia i know girls like her i knew girls like her so oh yeah, yeah her with that black bushy disgusting
0: hair you yeah. like her yeah yeah and again, I I I'm I'm choosing to read. He didn't like her. He liked the idea of her exactly. Like, he can he can go back and tell his little frat brothers that he tapped a black girl. Yep. And all that nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> so I really one of the really uh, eerie scenes is again the use of red and and Jasmine. We we it's revealed that Jasmine's having a nightmare. Um, and it 's that dorm tour where this guy 's giving a tour to these older white this white guy's giving a, a tour to these older uh white folks and Jasmine happens to be behind them and he 's telling about the history of the of the building and things like that and um they go down the hall and again she 's under jasmine 's under under the scrutiny where these weird um cast of white people in her nightmare keep looking back at her mm-hmm. and then they get to her dorm room and they open it and they're just like, who's like it was weird, right? Because you do you, you get to a point where you realize it's a dream mm-hmm. and she's asleep in her. Jasmine sees herself asleep in the bed, not very nondescript. Oh, that's a black girl. And then you see the 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 infamous witch come through her bedroom window, and again try to put put that noose around her neck. And then that's when she kind of wakes up. She tries to stop the witch from doing what she's what she wants to do, mm-hmm. and then she kind of wakes up and kind of holds her neck. And this one is and again that and was like If I had a dream like that, I I would I would need a day of comedies <laughs> yes. and 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 junk food to decompress because woo, yep,
1: but that tour dream was so pitch perfect, because how many spaces have we been in, where you're you're supposed to be there but then people turn and look at you like what are you doing here like so many experiences where and now that I still feel sometimes when I go places that even though I have every right to be there and I or I have a job to do and I'm there at this place I still get looked at like what are you doing here you know I mean somebody I know wrote a book called what are you doing here about you know, being a black woman who loves metal, but you just get that look, and and it just makes you think like, really, should I really be here? And you have every right to be wherever you want in the free world, you know. And I don't know.
0: Yeah, sometimes I even feel compelled to bring my uh, school ID when mm. I have to run across campus for something or I have to run an errand or I have to go to the film mm. office for something because my office is in a different building. Just so I could avoid that, you know, um, where other people might not, maybe, maybe not, think about like carrying their ID at all times for that particular reason. Um, no, I have not been stopped, luckily, or have been, um, you know, have had any encounters where people didn't think I belonged there, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, but it's it is something that is every now and then in the back of my head, if I'm being perfectly honest. So, um, we don't really know much about Jasmine's family. We do assume yeah, she has a mother Um, If you look really closely when there's I think there's this voiceover that's kind of talking about her like, you know, hey, mom, um, I'm going to go to a friend's house for Thanksgiving over break because we're at Thanksgiving time. Mm -hmm. Clearly, that's not the case. There's no (laughs) she doesn't stay with anyone. She just kind of stays back in the dorms by herself. And. Um, I think on on her computer screen when she's in one of like, a, a I think it's like a dorm room, not a dorm room, I'm sorry, like a library room or some kind of a room on campus mm-hmm. at night. And I th- it looks like it's a, I'm assuming it was like a, a email from her mother saying like, you haven't called or anything like that. Can, you know, please let me know that you're okay. Kind of a deal. And again, you know. Hard, um like genre tropes abound but then she kind of comes out also her hair is natural again funny Mm -hmm. enough
1: (laughs) she has enough to try because everybody's gone right so yes yeah exactly
0: and so um she hears something comes outside to a burning cross and gail telling her to stay away from it uh Wow. So again, who we don't obviously this is a mysterious person or whatever is happening who's do, doing all these terrible things to make black people on this campus feel super unwelcome or any non any non white person honestly. But the burning cross was like kind of just a real like nail on the head kind of a kind of a scene or an image. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if how you feel about it, like, cause it was just
1: cause honestly because it's just. I'm like, yeah, typical. Um. Well, so here's my only question with, with all the racist activity, the, the blatant racist, the noose and the um, burning cross, like that is a separate element. I feel like I was thinking about it. I'm like, is that supernatural? Is that a separate element? Is that just um, like uh, an unknown student behavior? I wasn't sure because that was obviously blatant and they knew that she was still there. They knew that Jasmine was still there after everybody left. So who did it, right?
0: Like, yeah, cuz I don't I don't think it's supernatural because Liv brings it up at her tenure review.
1: Right. So then I guess it's whoever is there who's left at the school or knew that Jasmine was still there or I guess maybe they didn't like the fact that their their master is a black woman and then there's this other like oh my god and then there's another black perfect there's too many blacks at this school <laughs> we must <laughs> burn across immediately you know so yeah i guess that's just another factor in in them trying to you know stake a claim at this historically um white school
0: yeah because like the next scene it it goes, it kind of, like, you get hit with this, like, intenseness. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene is, like, kind of, like, it's meant to be played as, like, a joke. Because cause you, you, cause we, we're seeing everything that we've seen happen at this school so far. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're hit with this promo video where all, where all six of the non-white people on this campus... <laughs> Or <laughs> like, I am Ancaster. And you, you can't help but laugh. Like, I would love to see this with a, with a, with a group of people um, in a theater for the first time seeing that scene. Because the the, the the break, the, the, the tension breaker, the laughing at the absurdity and the preposterous, preposterousness of all of this is the funniest thing yeah. uh, in the world.
1: Again, and, brilliant, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it's so clownish because... You're doing it once again. You're just, you're just, it's rinse, recycle. It's rinse, repeat or whatever. It's just like, you're just doing something. You're putting a band-aid over a bullet wound. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's ridiculous. There's some kind of alliance or whatever. Like that's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I'm much more pessimistic than these initiatives that are developed. Because it doesn't, it doesn't address the problem. It makes you appear to be something that you're really truly not. Mm-hmm. You're not ready to have those hard conversations and to really make change that don't involve creating initiatives or alliances. It's really about overhauling the, the entire institution.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you can't, like as you said, a band-aid over a bullet-hold. You can't, okay, well, I'm going to put like a black person in here. Well, there's no support. That's like almost, I mean, the black person is taking that position because they are capable. But there also needs to be some sort of support within that system. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You're just stick like a pair. I've, I don't know where I read or I, I saw a post or something about the diversity initiatives and people taking the job and then quitting later because they mm. don't have that support to get their job done to help pull in. The inclusion and the diversity that these companies so desperately want—all of a sudden, you know—it's not easy.
0: Yeah, and that's it it leads to the 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 next title card, which is it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is this is where we get that bathroom scene with um, Jasmine and the and the other black female student that we see in Gail's class earlier, Sasha, kind of talking. And this and this is where and this is finally where Jasmine goes. It's been hard. But I also think because she's seeing another black female peer that she's able to say that. I don't think she's able to say that to anyone else.
1: No. Even to, like, Gail. Like, I don't know if she would feel that comfortable saying that. Because Gail's in a position of power. And Gail also told her to, like, not pursue, you know, her dispute. So I feel like Jasmine can't really trust her. feels like she can't trust her, you know because oh, it's so intricate. Gail is trying to be in a position of power. She's trying to be a support. She wants to support this young black girl, but also she wants to support her friend, Liv. So there's kind of this this interest, like a conflict there. Whereas this, you know, Sasha is just like her fellow student. And Sasha, which I love, that Sasha is just so open to embrace Jasmine, not physically, but also as another Black student, another Black girl, and just to tell her, hey, I'm here. Because, you know, sometimes there is that feeling when you're with, you're not sure if other Black women are going to accept you or... Because there's always this... Well, I guess when I was younger, there was like this competition of being that Black girl and uh, jockeying for whatever social position. So... I just think it was so such a lovely moment, where Sasha is like just no defenses. She's open and she just wants to be there for Jasmine. You know,
0: yeah, because they only let one. one they quote only let one of us in the door at a time. Mm-hmm. So there's only that one spot. So you're always competing for that one spot. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea, and yes, it's it's what I think it's what Jasmine needed. It 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 brought a. I'm glad that this dimension was brought to the film. It was necessary because we didn't... I, I like that Diallo doesn't want to paint Jasmine's full-on experience as not having any sort of positive reaction mm-hmm. with, uh, with another black person mm-hmm. because I think that's true to life as well. Um, you're going to have your good and your bad with everyone um, in different ways. And But it's also important to know that there's always going to be the um, other scenarios that are going to feel, um, you're going to feel that support and that figurative and literal embrace from someone else who wants to help support you in any way, shape, form, or fashion, especially on the grounds um, of social acceptance, mm-hmm. and that's why she invites her to the AFAM house or whatever, just because. And obviously, spaces like that on campuses on any campus, honestly, is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not on HBCUs because everyone is just like there's a there's a certain there's I think I'm I'm guessing that there is a particular kind of cultivation of social mores and 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 ways of kind of moving through an hbcu mm-hmm. that just don't exist on the pwi campus mm-hmm. because it's more ingrained in an hbcu to look at everyone as your family i'm guessing mm-hmm. please can, can, correct me if i'm wrong folks um but i feel like that might exist more on an hbcu than it does on a pwi and that's why you know houses in certain groups for certain groups of people is just necessary because you need that solidarity you need that kiki key key, you need that safe space mm-hmm. uh and i think that's what that was and then that's when her the other two friends come come in the bathroom and sasha leaves and tells her you know you're not wrong and then of course the white girls have no idea what happened they try to brush it off and then jasmine you know kind of retreats back to her shell a little bit and mm-hmm. then that's when um what's the child's name uh katie who the one who, who what we are, we, I, I, well, not we, I assume to be Middle Eastern of some, from a, from a Middle Eastern country or mm-hmm. um, eth- eth- ethnically. And then, cause she just, she mentions like, oh yeah, they tried to do that to me to some, something more culturally specific fill in the blank. And then she goes, she just kind of scoffs it off, which is, you know,
1: that's a choice. um mm-hmm. But I mean, no shade to her because sometimes I admit some of those You know, uh, POC groups or black groups, sometimes Mm -hmm. they can be a little shady. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that they are there is the important thing. I mean, you can go and try it out. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. Right. But I think it's important that they are in place. Um, I can't even remember. I, my God, my university years were so traumatic because I didn't live on campus. Um, I lived at home. I had to work when I wasn't at school, I was working or I was in the nightclubs. <laughs> that was my stress release. But like, I didn't join any groups. I wanted to join like a, you know, photography group. And whatever. I don't even remember. I should have joined like, because I have a minor in, in um, dramatic studies. And I, I wish I had uh, joined like maybe some sort of dramatic club or something. But I, I didn't have no time for that. I had to work. You know yeah so I did miss out on that and I just kind of feel I still kind of remember that feeling of shell-shock being in university so those groups are very important you know if I had joined maybe a black student union maybe I would have felt a little better and had a bit more of a social life and you know who knows so there it's very important yeah so I mean
0: uh, you can tell Jasmine I don't know she she there's there's a conflict there because then the the camera carefully kind of looks from above on Jasmine kind of like folding mm-hmm. the FM house flyer she kind of like she folds it in a way she folds it carefully in a way which she's like I'm considering this but not like not fully committed to it, which I think is for someone like her in her situation is very fair. Because, um, again, we we are allowed to make these assumptions about her because we're not we're not given a whole lot of data. But, you don't know, um, But she's she's in a situation right now, um, circumstance it, at that moment uh, at, at Ancaster specifically, where she feels like maybe. She, she needs that, she needs that exhale with other people who are like her, who look like her on the basis of race. Like, they, you may not have the same interests, you may not come from the different, you may come from very different backgrounds, but you do share that experience of misogynoir in racism and white and white supremacy and anti-blackness, I think. Because I think ever, honestly, every single person on this globe is touched by white supremacy. And yep. I think we all have to unlearn it and undo it. Um, but... Um, anti-blackness and things like that that's specific to black people obviously and
1: experiencing that on, on certain levels um well you know when the white girls go come into the bathroom and mm-hmm. uh, sasha and jasmine are hugging and then the white girls are like oh whatever and it's just like you know when you're in the office and you're talking to another black person and you it's like you have to make well not that you have to but it's always that old thing where you White people are uncomfortable if two black people are talking, you know? Like, mm. I really got that vibe. And then um, when Sasha leaves, Jasmine's almost, like, embarrassed that she yeah. got talk caught talking to another black person. And, oh, that feeling. I just... Yeah, it's. I just felt for her so much for that. Like, just oh my god, I just wanted to take Jasmine and say, oh my god, you little pumpkin, it's okay. But you know, (laughs)
0: ugh. Yeah, you're right. Um, That's and I think that's been my feeling through throughout us and the entire time of us talking about um, her. I've like there's almost to a degree not exactly maybe depending on who you are I'm sure there's plenty of black women out there who see a lot of themselves in Jasmine Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the whole idea that you want to reach back to your younger self and like protect her a little bit more especially knowing now what you didn't know then and so I think a lot of that is happening with this um, particular film Uh, because like the the next scene is Rachel Dolezal's tenure review um (laughs) where she gets to, you know, sit very strategically um, solo and have this circle of other, of her, of her white faculty peers, including um, one Gail Bishop, kind of sitting around in a semicircle and are kind of like, you know, uh, scrutinizing her and her accomplishments. Does she deserve tenure? And what I find interesting about this particular scene is when she's not being uh, commented or flattered for what she has done, mm-hmm. and they are getting critical about questioning whether she should get tenure. She deflects. Yes, and she goes on about like what's happening with Jasmine, and it's about this racist institution. <laughs> I, I, I don't take it away. <laughs> <'Cause I'm> like, <laughs> yeah
1: like maybe you should be paying attention to what's happening to this black student and all this racism on campus and and it's like y- yeah but also like do you not care about your job and your tenure <laughs> you know like it really is a, a huge deflection. Um, she she makes her ten yeah I'm sorry
0: no go ahead she makes she makes her tenure or lack of maybe not maybe not getting it about about her being black wink wink and mm-hmm. that's the, a bigger problem of the institution of itself and everything that's happening with black this black student or whatever i i'm i'm sorry i, I my brain is like having a hard, like not having a hard time with this because it's it's very complex because mm-hmm. she's not wrong but also
1: she's not right yeah, I was just going to say she's not wrong, but it's just the wrong situation to be bringing it up, <laughs> you know, it's like like to, as a defense as to why she doesn't have, you know, some of the requirements for the job she's applying for, basically. So it's like being in a job interview and going, well, you know, I mean, there's a war going on. <laughs> you can't really <laughs> deflect that, you know, or like the systemic racism. It's like, yes, that is true. But for this particular situation, we need to kind of focus on that just in this moment. So So I think two
0: things are happening here. I think that yeah, she's a black woman wink wink that has not she hasn't overproduced like Gail. So she hasn't met the over requirements for tenure. That's one. And then two, she's invoking Jasmine, but she doesn't care about Jasmine. Mm mm. She's making Jasmine a crusade for her own benefit, mm-hmm. Cause if you you and you and she's proven to herself that she doesn't care about Jasmine because she chose to inject what she thinks a black girl is or should be or was or upon her when they had that interaction about her grade for that paper. So she doesn't. She doesn't even know who she because Jasmine. I think Jasmine even says it like you don't even know who I am. And She doesn't.
1: No, because she, she's not. She's not had an experience being an authentic black woman. See, she's taking cues from things that she's learned and picked up. Right. And again, everything,
0: everything's starting to ramp up now. Uh, it's Gail at home. And I think she's actually clean. Like she, when she's in her house, like cleaning, like, you know, just doing some maintenance and she's cleaning up places. And I think she's actually cleaning up a stain that won't go away. Interesting. Um, idea that again visually telling us that there's a stain on this floor that won't go away no matter how much gail cleans it up it's still the stain won't leave and then there's more beckoning of that servant's quarters i hate to say that that's so old-timey when i say it like that mm-hmm. but maybe that's what it's called that's what like it's the called ser- yeah. yeah yeah the servant's quarters and she it is it, it, she's beckoned back upstairs because she keeps hearing things and seeing things and she goes in and it's real. The supernatural stuff is really at, is, is, is is at a crescendo, and then she sees like, and she visually sees this um, black woman who was a servant in this house from the past. Like they, she sees her, and she, and again, it's the the I think the woman is like cower, cowering and crying in a corner. Mm-hmm. Just that she's just she's she's trying to she's a, trying to she's evoking this emotion from the audience and specifically from Gale. There's a there's a pain, there's a sorrow, there's a mournfulness there. Even when she you know she's seeing these black servants in in pictures, she just saw one this apparition of sorts. She's noticing this stuff,
1: even more so. Oh, it's just like it's it's basically a sign like there are signs and they're they're trying to get her attention and she's just not she's just trying to stick it out you know like she's done most of her life just to get to where she is and she's you know and and to an extent yeah I get that like you don't want to be scared off this is where you 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 got the job and you're going to stick it out but there's I, I think like there's only so far you can take it before you're like okay, there's a ghost, and, you know, like, that's actually kind of, I'm seeing this, you know? All that, you
0: know, it's it's that scene that kind of, like, prepares us, because we're all kind of, like, a little on edge, is when um Jasmine is kind of, like, she feels like she's being chased by the witch, and, of course, we see certain, like, especially when she's on out in the quad, and we see, like, this figure in this, like, black cloak or whatever, and she feels like she's being chased by something or someone she goes to um, Gail's door first and she tries to get her attention and nothing and and no one's answering the door and then she gets she feels like she gets chased all the way up to her dorm room and she tries to escape and then she accidentally kind of falls out of the window where she's trying to like gain her footing on the roof and just kind of falls and when I first saw that I'm like oh my god is she dead I wasn't sure mm-hmm. I was I was very relieved with the next scene
1: well I was like she's at the library at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> first of all I I'd never been that late at school but I guess it happens but yeah especially uh, if you live on campus yeah so that was first of all I was like what the hell kid um and yeah and then being chased like that was a it was really great like that was a great sequence yeah, I just thought it was a really great um, horror moment. Um, and when she wakes up in the hospital and Gail is there with her, I thought that was really lovely too. Like, it was just sweet, you know, because um, they're alone there in, during Thanksgiving. Because Liv is gone. She went to mm-hmm. visit friends in New York. Because, like, she actually had an encounter with Jasmine, and she's like, oh, there's no hard feelings, and... You know, she's, and ironically, she's doing like a chalk drawing on the sidewalk about diversity, (laughs) inclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so funny. But yeah, I, I don't know. And then Gail tells her, you know, yeah, it's hard, but you got to stick, stick with it. You know? Yeah. It's,
0: so I grapple a lot with this scene because it, it almost feels like a generational exchange. Mm -hmm. Meaning people like Gail they just sucked it up no, no matter literally no matter how hard it got de- de- facing all of the issues that they have to face and doubly because of their identities um gendered and race and racial and where someone where a younger where the younger generation representative in Jasmine just refuses just wants to bow out and say I shouldn't have to put up with this. And they shouldn't. And then that's when Gail has that kind of, like, moment where she's like, this is America. There's no escaping this. So it's like, it's this unfortunate this struggle where if, you're, if you are choosing this particular university to attend, for example, just this this is what you have to endure in order to get where you want to go. Like, you have goals, you have dreams, but this is the cost. Mm-hmm. And Gail, we we see, of course, we're going to talk about it later, Gail questions that cost and, 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 the, and, the, and the end of the rainbow deal of that and what everything she had to go through. And you see Jasmine as someone who's just like, I don't want to go back to that. Doesn't mean she doesn't have options, but she's also choosing she's also choosing not to where older folks don't feel like they even have a choice, even when they did.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that, because it's like it it is really generational. It's like, oh, suck it up and do it. But it's like, you know what? No, she doesn't have to. If she doesn't want to go to the school, if she doesn't want this experience anymore, she's entitled to wanting to leave. It's like, she's entitled to that feeling. She can leave if she wants to. It's not a failure. It's something she tried, and it's not good for her, and she can move on. And I wish that I had that mentality myself. Like, I stuck it out through things where I should have just been like, I'm out, you know, but I stuck it out because that's what my parents did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just think that it's... But that's a very interesting scene to see that actually in play, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's very sad.
0: Yeah, I, my situation was I chose to transfer schools <laughs> uh, and that was a choice I made where I said, yeah, I screw this. I quit. And I just went to a school that ended up luckily being so much better for me. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, I, 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 when it comes to a situation very similar to this, I middle-roaded it um, where um, I knew I was going to have to take the, the, the figurative bruises and um, punches of being a black woman. Mm-hmm. But can I do that in a, in a different environment where I don't feel so alone? where I can have some autonomy, where I can have that much more freedom to just be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Um, So it's it's all about kind of like, like, you know, if you have options, use them. And it, that's a whole other complicated layer. But like, that's the thing. Like, you know, again, Gail's doing that other thing that she is going to possibly regret a little bit later where she's pushing Jasmine to do something she doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And, I think one of the last straws for Jasmine may again, this is another creepy genre trope that Diallo was playing with. You get the, you get the, you get the, there's that red again where Jasmine's in the hospital and you get that silhouette of some, of an old, of someone crying. Mm-hmm. And you don't, and uh, almost, because when I first saw it, I was like, I don't even know if that's a real person, is that a real person or a ghost. I wasn't sure because they do that crying, that weeping thing. And then they do that thing where they stop And then it like slowly turns where that person looks like it's looking at you through the silhouette, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like Mm -hmm. that's so creepy. I hate when I hate that kind of stuff, man. Um, But then it actually, again, it ends up actually being a person. It actually being, I guess, America in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because this person, it looks like I think that person has kind of Alzheimer's or something, where this older woman white woman doesn't know where she is and then she sees jasmine and probably sees again a servant that served her 20 30 years ago i don't know like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you know telling her to get her black hands off of her like you know we all know that's what what that's code for um especially the way the woman said it you know where jasmine thought you know let me show some compassion to this woman who clearly needs help and this woman totally rejects her. Another rejection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This very fragile, vulnerable young girl is a re- another sort of rejection. And a racist rejection. Again, she can't wash off her skin color. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to change the way she looks. Um, so I maybe that was the last straw to resign her to just go back. If she has to go, she's just going to, Jasmine will go back to the campus. But in a way that.
1: Ends up being really just tragic. Well, and I really liked how she played with that nightmare hallway sequence with the that figure in the cloak and kind yeah. of that that was so creepy and so fantastic um, to to convey that racist systemic monster that basically she can't even avoid in the hospital from a, an absolute stranger, you know who she's, as you're saying, she's trying to comfort. And the woman is like, you're getting too familiar with me. Get your black hands off of me. So, like, that was so well done. I just, that was a very chilling moment for me. I just, and that's one of the moments that I remember the most from this film. Just, as you're saying, that kind of that last straw for Jasmine. And she's like, you know, the next scene is her um, showing up at campus. And she's like, I know what to do now. And she bumps into Liv. And it's just, it's really tragic. <sighs>
0: yeah, I, sh- she, she knew to, I don't know, it's, it's so sad to me. Like, she knew to end it, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To end her life.
1: And I want to know what that primal scream tradition is. Like, I, I just right. found that really interesting. Yeah, I I found that I couldn't really quite figure that out. I'm like, oh, that's students to let off steam. But then, you know, um, Gail is walking up to the dorms and she sees the students doing their primal scream and she sees a shadow in Jasmine's window and she's like, what the hell? Jasmine should be in the hospital. Then she rushes up to her room and that's when she finds Jasmine who has she's she's hung herself. So, you know, that's a really awful, like, visceral, emotional moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And you think, because you're only hoping for the best, right? You're maybe, oh, well, maybe this is going to take a turn where Jasmine is, like, tries to conjure the witch and gets rid of the witch or something uber supernatural like that. But it's not.
0: And Regina Hall plays it so well. Like, it was just like, yeah, Regina Hall is, like, Gail treated that, like, you know... I mean, I don't know if and everyone would have had the same reaction, but it was just like she cried and called for Jasmine like that was her own daughter, her own sister, somebody she cared, somebody she truly cared, she truly cared about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she did.
1: She cared about mm-hmm. her, but she was trying to keep a distance, you know? Ugh. Do you think she was trying to keep a distance? I, I think she was trying Professional, Not- yeah, like that professional distance. But she cared about that girl, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think I think she cared more than I think she realized once she kind of saw such an awful, when you stumble upon an awful situation because she's, she's devastated. And the next title card is I'm Not Going Anywhere, which is, I think, the last title card we get.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: very interesting. And again, I felt like, Gail was the only authentic thing about jasmine's vigil, um vigil mm-hmm. I don't know if sasha was there in the, in the background I didn't um notice her entirely, but Gail's the only genuine thing about it, and she's having a conversation with um Rachel Dolezal. and she's questioning she's quite- yeah again she's questioning it is is it all worth it is it all worth it because this is this is what it, it uh, all, everything we go through can very well, can very well lead to this Because mm-hmm. if you don't see anything you, if you can't if you understand or resign thinking into imagining that things won't change, where do you, wh- how do you process that? Like, how do you how do you navigate life? Because I deal with this as well and I say it all the time. I, for example, do not expect to go into any situation, socially, professionally, or otherwise, and expect people to treat me with respect and kindness and generosity and grace. And I I don't expect it. Mm -hmm. And that's a really shitty way of living. Mm -hmm. But I have enough data from my own life experiences to expect people to treat me poorly upon seeing me. Mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to live my life (laughs) and I'm also trying to figure out a way to not be that way to other people especially people I'm just meeting for the first time and don't know them
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it's not easy
1: no I, I mean yeah it's it's I like to I don't judge I try not to judge when I'm meeting people for the first time, but also I have denied my gut feelings about people for a very long time. Um, I think up until my, I would say my thirties, even my forties. And I had to stop doing that because I don't know what it is, but I get vibes from people and they're very strong. Um, and if the vibe says this is not the person you need in your life. I'm going to have to go with that because often when I don't, it um, I should have listened to my gut. So aside from that, I do want to approach everyone with, you know, obviously like a general, general respect, like human beings and, uh, you know, be a kind and person. But yeah, sometimes people just don't give you that benefit. And it's really, it's, it's tough. It's a tough world out there. I don't know. Um, also, um, Amelia, um, Jasmine's, uh, roommate ends up leaving. Um, right. and that's because Gail, which is really interesting. I actually just had a thought, which I'll talk about later, but Gail goes jogging at night and she comes across, some. Um, I don't know if they're Amish or, but th- there's a funeral going on with these, um. I, I guess for lack of a better term, I'm going to say Amish and they're having a funeral and, um, she's kind of like, oh, and they kind of look at her and then she kind of, she hears a noise in the bushes, uh, in the cemetery and she finds Amelia, these two guys come running out and my second viewing, I heard like belt buckles tinkling. Yeah, me too. So, and then Amelia's sitting there going, I'm sorry. And this is the first thing that comes out of her mouth and then so Gail brings her back to her, um, the house and she's like what what, what was going on like I d- actually didn't like how she said that she's like what were you doing in the woods with those two boys like that I don't know if that was like a teacher thing but then you know it's implied that Amelia was being maybe sexually assaulted this is what yeah. I am thinking and she just Amelia didn't want to deal with it and this had happened to her before and so she just kind of cut out. She's just out of the picture. So I feel like um, Dialogue also brings in that aspect of college life too, where, you know, women aren't respected in general. Um, and yeah, that was a really interesting thing. But um, I just thought that was uh, kind of fascinating that the whole, that Amish community surrounding the school, and then it's kind of directly connected to live or Rachel Dolezal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it ends up... Yeah,
0: we... That's the other thing that we kind of, like, find out. um, Because, yeah, because there's other things that Liv picked up. Like, her story's inconsistent. She talks about being... Liv talked about being an only child. Then after um, Jasmine passes away and they're having a conversation, she mentions a brother. And Liv was like, I thought that you had or you were the only child and you know clue number five I think we're on number five I'm not sure but yeah I mean that was the other thing and like and you know upon Jasmine's death Liv gets tenure and so and she and again she doesn't give a fuck about Jasmine it's all Liv's I belong now I have a place I'm like no you you left the place where you were you once were And, you know, she because she, you know, and her saying that was really odd to me, too, because I'm just like, um, Miss Pro Black is so interested in belonging to this institution and how it's been ran and how it treats its black students or non-white students. And you feel like you belong here and this is your place.
1: I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm here now. This is this is for me when she kind of shit on it as an institution. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you know, you could see where her motivation lies. But then also, Gail keeps getting a phone call at her house, and it's this woman, and she keeps saying, I need to talk to you about my daughter, Elizabeth. And Gail's like, uh, you got the wrong number. You need to call the registrar. And finally, Gail talks to her, and it turns out that this woman is from that Amish community, And she is Liv's mother. And this woman is white. And she says that Liv is not black. She's not biracial. And yeah, (laughs) go ahead.
0: I, I real quick, because I find it, I wanted to say that I just wanted to say the sidebar Mm -hmm. before we move forward, because I'm with you on that. But also, I wanted to go back because you had mentioned this earlier. So you picked up on this earlier than I did, because when they're having a conversation about. Live belonging and there it's pretty much an extension of, of about being of, of, of about Jasmine. You're right. Live does not engage with the deeper topic that Gail is prompting, and you picked up on that earlier. Mm-hmm. And so again, it does very much go to the next scene that you had mentioned, where something feels off about this woman, and it's revealed that she's not even black, um, and even though Live what created this narrative of being this black bastard half black child in this religious community yeah right lady uh so and because it lead because it leads to because it because that's because that scene where you know she finally for, where gail finally does meet up with her she um you know she's kind of she's you know, kind of just emotionally distraught in general, and then having this reveal on top of everything else, she just feels so doubly betrayed. She feels she feels this deep guilt and regret, and now she just feels this betrayal where she's just so angry. Mm-hmm. And she goes to live is having I think some sort of a gathering at her house or something. Or no, not at her house because she leaves. But she's ha- they're having some sort of gathering to celebrate Liv's tenure. I'm assuming. And then again, it's it it, it does just doesn't end. Some so one of her white peers opens the door and said, gail like, oh, finally we'll have some flavor in this party or whatever." <laughs> yeah, such bullshit. And then, oh. and then the white dude who and then and live are kind of like talking, and he she's trying to spice up the party with some better music. And again, this goes back to my comment that I said before, you don't bring Hardcore by Little Kim into the professional work environment, even if it's something that you own. You just don't. There's a time and a place for everything. and It is definitely not in a professional work environment. Mm -mm. Now, apparently, because I'm old, um, the kids on the Internet tells me that um, Livid actually chose a track by City Girls. That I only vaguely know about because of The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that's what that was. And then, of course, the white guy is taking the by it because it's nigga bitch shit that all this <laughs> and then the song or whatever. <laughs> so we don't know what to do with that. And again, if you I'm assuming that if you are black at an institution like this, you have enough experience in academia, to know that maybe this is not the track you play at a party in
1: mixed company. Mm-hmm. It's so tough, te- especially yes. when academics want to use that N word anytime they can <laughs> in their classes. Well, it's in the book.
0: <laughs> it's it's so ups- it's, it's it's another. It's like clue number six. Yeah, and but we already know, but we're already led to believe, and so she's, it's like she's just performing. Blackness. She's performing with the expectations of what she thinks it is, and think that and think that's okay because oh, these white folks have already given me tenure, so I can just perform even more for them, perform to their expectations as well, just as much as of of mine. Mm-hmm. And so Gail Carls calls her out. She has she has no she she doesn't want to play in these reindeer games at all, obviously. And Gail just Gail has finally has that moment. Where she just where the where the she, there's a proverbial record scratch and everyone stops and looks on at this hysterical black woman having a moment, and she calls her out and you see even the even even the look on Liz's face change when she was like yeah I met your mother, and she's like you know you've been getting tutorials on blackness from a white woman and all this kind of stuff, and then you know and then then she, <laughs> she tells she tells that Will you call her a hippie liberal lady after well, oh yeah. <laughs> oh uh, what the hell is her name yeah i forget her name but she's just like no fuck you and fuck this you're just like first of all uh, you only gave her tenure because a black girl died you were not going to do let's keep it real you weren't going to give her a tenure and the black girl dies so you're trying to cover your ass so you don't look like the racist institution you really are and and as she, and she says the one thing that hasn't that will never leave me she's like i'm not the master i'm the maid you to clean up,
1: yeah. It's so brilliant. That line was like so brilliant. Oh,
0: yeah. It's, it's us cleaning up the mess again. Oh, we're having racial problems. We should bring a black person in it to
1: fix our problems that we didn't con- that we didn't create. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Such garbage. And then after, then she's just sitting there. And like they're like, oh, it's so stressful, you know. We don't talk about self care more, and it's just, they're just trying to like yeah. diffuse the situation in the worst and the They yeah. <laughs> exactly. don't make it about themselves. Yeah, exactly.
0: They make it about themselves. I'm sorry, they make it about themselves, and they also just are not see or not refusing to address the problem. Yeah, like oh, she she's just stressed out.
1: Uh, uh. and then um, what was really brilliant too is. Um, you know, uh, Gail is looking around the room and she sees these old-timey pictures and, like, the three guys playing cards, same as the old-timey picture of three men playing cards, like, in, I don't know, 1800s or whatever, and then, you know, seeing, um, uh, what was his name, The that guy that, um, oh, what was his name? Look it one up. Of the,
0: one of her older white professor peers, right?
1: Yeah, um, Brian, the the older yeah, one of her peers, he's uh, walking past the picture and it's it's him in an old timey picture. And like, it really solidifies that nothing has changed. And like, you know, I was saying like this movie has like, um, like this, the institution has this frequency running throughout, like a that systemic racism, that frequency that you tune into and then you try to tune out and you tune into, you try to tune out, but it's always there whether you hear it or not. So, and then she's just tuning into that frequency and it's gotten so loud. She's like, I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, um, cause yeah, in the house, you seeing like, think I think it was also alluding to like her, her seeing the ghosts, the past, they're just like, mm-hmm. they're, they're walking, they're walking amongst this, um this social space and setting in crowd. Yes. And then you, you, of course you see that, yeah, the old timey picture. So I'm like, oh, that person is not, is an echo of the past still very present mm-hmm. and very ominous mm-hmm. and that's why they look at her because they know that she notices it mm-hmm. when no one else is noticing because they're they're, they're they're not they're talking about other things and she's just not and she yeah gail has completely tuned out she once she she walked into that situation and she had she made her decision there and she has that exchange with Liv and Liv is just like you know yeah she creates the story that she's half black And Gail's like, give give me a break. And also I thought what was weird about that really quickly, what I find interesting, is that how you see the cloak figure Mm -hmm. following Jasmine every now and then, and then Liv very casually puts on that same cloak, Mm
2: -hmm. which is even
0: more another, another clue, another damning clue that you ain't even half black. No, you, that is, you're a part of that religious Amish. I don't know if they're Amish either, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You're part of that tradition. You're an extension of that, no matter mm-hmm. how much you try to run away from it. You're an extension of tradition and old customs, which, again, erase blackness, or erases black people. You have no part of it. Even, like, funny, ironically enough, for her critical race theory of the scarlet letter, that's the way your people used to live or, st- or still do live. It's when she talks about how just because you don't see overt, plays of race and the Scarlet Letter doesn't mean it's there. And it's the same thing from the community that she originates. Mm-hmm. Like, your your isolation by making everything quote-unquote more pure by staying more white and staying more insular, it's the same deal <laughs>
1: in a sense. Well, here's my question for you We're referring to the, um, for lack of a better term, the Amish community around them. So, um, uh, Gail... And live or jogging one day and they see a woman and her child from that community running and they're like, oh, you know, let's, you know, let's go back to uh, campus because they kind of felt weirded out and they were getting dirty looks. And then Gail comes across them again at their funeral and they also give her a look. And I'm just wondering the cloaked figures that are kind of the specters in the hallways and that sort of thing. Do you think this kind of popped into my head as we were discussing it? Do you think that this community was behind the burning crosses and the noose and all of that? I just wonder. I'm like, that could be it. You know, maybe they're behind. They don't want the black people on campus. I don't know. Just a thought.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I honestly have no idea. I can't even I can't even make an assumption because I really don't know. Yeah. And maybe I'm making that assumption on is that like their, you know, rejection of anything non-white is more quiet
2: Mm -hmm. where
0: they're just like, listen, we're not, we're not about aggression in any way, shape, form or fashion. We're pacifists. Mm -hmm. And we would rather kind of stay, they're more about staying more insular Mm -hmm. than being diluted by, again, those those kind of overt forms of white supremacy and racism, mm-hmm. and, and definitely not not interested in inflicting any sort of any any sort of violence upon anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if they were a part of that.
1: Yeah, I just it's kind of popped in my head like, are they that kind of? Like, that, maybe there was... I mean, I'm just projecting (laughs) my own thoughts. Like, oh, maybe there was a fanatic amongst them. I don't know. Was it Liv's mom? But she can't carry two huge pieces of timber (laughs) put up Mm across, you know? But, yeah, I don't know. It's just... uh, uh. Oh, do you want to talk about the, the final moments? Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: even... God, I... Again, because I think Gail also makes it, again, she says that thing about, like, you know, because when the old white dude professor, he says, I'm not going anywhere. So he says the quote from the title card. hmm And then I think Gail disassociatively comments, kind of, call, call, responds to that statement. It says, and nothing will ever change to an extent. She says something like that. hmm um, And then, you know, that's when she's just, she, she, she's, she's, she, she leaves. And you're right. It doesn't end. She says that. And sure enough. And I think she just, she doesn't even blink anymore. She doesn't feel like things can change or things, or she doesn't feel like trying any longer. Because mm-hmm. when the campus security, because I think they said, I think on the, on his uh, radio said something about a suspicious female or something like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> suspicious female on campus. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> and, you know, and he asked for her ID. She doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't even bother. She's just like, I, I don't work here anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was just leaving. And she leaves and she walks away. He does I'm glad he doesn't like watch her walk away really. He just kind of like takes a beat and then just kind of goes on his way because she's going another direction. But what's interesting about that scene as well is that two students like that you don't that we don't see their faces, she's they say, Doctor Bishop. Doctor Bishop <laughs> Like, you know, no yeah, you know, I, I, I I I like that kind of scene. Um and then and then that that's that that's it. That's the movie. I mean, uh, Diallo sends us off with uh, the. I think it's a. Uh, I've been told it's a Bob Dylan cover by Nina Simone called "I Shall Be Released." Oh, okay. I I didn't even know. So notice. that's the song. Yeah. Um, let me let me read. Let me see. So the lyrics... Some of the lyrics are: "They say everything can be replaced. They say every distance is not near. So I remember every face, of every man who put me here. I see my light come shining." from the west down to the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released. They say every man needs protection. They say every man must fall. So I swear I see my reflection somewhere inside these walls. I see my light come shining from the west out to the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released. Yonder stands a man and this lonely crowd, man who says he's not to blame. All day long, I hear him hollering so loud, just crying out that he's not to blame. I see my light come shining from the west down to the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released. So, Mm -hmm. That's
1: what kind of closes out the film. Well, and did you notice that final scene as she's walking off campus? All the workers, if I'm not mistaken, on the grounds are black.
2: Mm-hmm. Of course
1: and I was just like, that is so brilliant. just she's just leaving that behind and the only place at that school are for all the the people working in like quote unquote servitude is is for black the, the lunch the lunch ladies, <laughs> mm-hmm. the grounds people, um garbage people, people collecting the garbage, all black and it's just. And then that that security guard, it's like that old school overseer kind of thing. Yeah. It just was so like chef's kiss, cherry on top, perfect ending, you know? Absolutely. So
0: that's that, that's master. We um I was serious about like let's 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 really dissect this and go in because there's so much um You know, we could both write about it till we're blue in the face, but Mm -hmm. there's a release verbally that I think needed to happen, especially for me. I don't know about you, but I needed to get this. I needed to get all these kinks out um, by talking about it first. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a blog post or anything. This is probably going to go on something a little bit more um, intense and in depth, but it's something I really want. I really wanted to do this movie and I'm glad we did.
1: Yeah, I think this will be a back burner kind of piece for me, where I'm just I'll have to think about it and watch it a few times. And hopefully I'll I'll buy a copy. Um, I will 100% support her. Um, Yeah, it's I can't even I don't think a film has resonated with me uh, like this in a very long time. So, yeah. I'm so glad she made it. I'm so glad it got made that somebody, you know, gave her the green light because I want more from Mariama Diallo. Please and thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, I was just telling someone, I think I was like, they should just leave um, black horror to the black women. (laughs) Mm. Yes. (laughs) Seriously. I'm just, you know, I'm half joking Mm. Uh, because, you know, she... And someone else, there's was, I, I've read mostly just positive reviews for it, but also I think somebody, one of the headlines, so I, I, I don't remember what headline it is, forgive me, but like there there is someone who had mentioned um, Master and just talking about it's, 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 it's the, it's the black horror we've been wanting post-Get Out, you know, it's mm-hmm. the kind of like, you know, um, we don't always want to, we don't always want a story about the tone of race and racism. We don't, we definitely don't want that. But if you can, if, but if lightning like this can strike twice by all means, mm-hmm. if you can do it in a way that's so both polished and gritty, like, how, like the Allah has done it, like so succinct and so masterful, for lack of a better term,
1: you well, can't do, yeah, you can't and, beat this. And like that she wrote two characters coming from two different perspectives like that. So because she's been in both positions, right? So or where she's gotten like, I believe her mother worked in academia. um, And she got that perspective from her mother. Uh, So I just think that was so it's just so well done. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh,
0: Obviously, it goes without saying, because this is probably our longest episode. Yeah. (laughs) You need to watch this movie. Um, Everyone. is I'm. This is already on the list for movies for my fall course that I'm teaching. This is already on the list. Mm-hmm. This is already something that these students are going to watch. Uh, and so I, I think it's. Just, I, think, I do really think this is a very 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 powerful film. I don't. I, I've I've said everything I already wanted to say about it. I'm good. I'm just. I'm happy we got got that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I just wanna encourage everyone to just you know this is probably gonna be your one of your one of your most memorable movies that you've probably have ever seen, but definitely of this
1: year mm-hmm. yep I agree uh Diallo captures the horrors of academia for black women so well um yeah, I think that's all I've got to say about it too, yeah well, um.
0: Graveyard Shift Sisters has a new Twitter account if you're interested <laughs> if you you know if you are a fan of the brand of what it's been doing for the past what seven eight years now eight I don't know, remember maybe eight <laughs> but uh the Twitter handle for that is um at uh, G-R-Y-D-S-H-F-T Sisters so um Go out and support if you're so inclined. Uh, new blog and everything, new, new, completely just got a whole new makeover, new logo, everything. It's pretty fantastic.
1: Yes, definitely follow the new um, <laughs> Twitter account for Graveyard <laughs> Shift. It's no, I love it. I love the new look. It's it's fantastic. So people need to follow it. And I'm at VFD Pixie. And uh, I'll be doing a few things, so um, if you want to see what's happening, uh, just follow my account. I'm not really on Twitter that much anymore, because it is, as the British say, it does (laughs) (laughs) me-ed-in. I can't take it a lot of the time, so usually I just post about stuff I'm doing, or stuff that's going on, or other people are doing, so yeah. Um, Yeah, so find me there. Oh, so I wanted to shout out to... um, uh, the person that did our theme song Razak El Toro he's got a, a new album out I believe it's like an EP so I'll put a link there so if you want to check it out um it's really cool electronic like Afrobeat stuff it's really good um and I'm very happy for him so yeah uh check that out yeah that sounds dope by all means Alrighty. uh until
0: until next time uh Wish everyone a peace and serenity and joy wherever you can get it in a safe and fun fashion. That's silly, but y'all know what I mean. <laughs>
1: no, it's not silly, and I second that. And, you know, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. So, you know, sending out good vibes to everybody. And, yeah, stay safe. Bye. 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 Thank you.